What's up, man? What's going on, Huckleberry? Nah, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, give me one second. I, ha- I gotta change something for a client. You're good. Uh, I gotta change something, too. It's called my state of mind for SmackDown. Alright, let me text him. Fucking Facebook, they got this fucking this new thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's every time that you try to do something on your business page, it, it picks up, like, if you even put, like, this Sunday, like, one fucking time or something like that, or, like, you put live music, like, in the description. Uh-huh. It wants to make it an event. Okay. And you can't boost fucking events. And we don't want everything to be a fucking event because the right. imaging, it resizes the fucking imaging, which looks like shit. You got all these other options you got to fucking worry about. So we just want to do fucking regular posts. And then it will ask you, would you like to make this an event? No. no I would like it to be a regular post. And then fucking five minutes later, it's a fucking event. Because it just changes what I'm saying. Facebook would be a great tool if they quit fucking fucking jackass. Fuck Zuckerberg. Fuck. Fuck. Zuckerberg fucking Stephanie McMahon and fucking Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Fuck them all. They can all zuck on my cock. Uh, let me pull up my run here, buddy. Or tea still hunt these shows. Oh. All right, man. Are you ready? Yep. You know, it's pretty sad. But I think the best match of the week was on 205. I didn't even watch 205 Live. I didn't watch 205 Live either, but the best match of the week was uh, Strong and Tommy. I did watch oh, that. That, that was on that. this week? Yeah, they beat the fucking oh, shit out of one man. another, dude. I thought that was going to be next week. Oh, they beat the shit out of one another. They actually gave them time and let them go. With Roddy going over Strong. That's a bit surprising. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> All right, let's mega powers this shit. Let's do it. And I don't mean James. This is your United States of America. Speak your mind. Cross the line, I'll say the truth. What's up, peeps, freaks, and geeks? Welcome to Season 2, Episode 6 of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by TheGorillaPosition.com and presented by Hameen Media. On today's show, we're breaking down something red, something blue, something honorable, and something that blew. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to tell you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. 
You can find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. Shoot us an email at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. My name is Jargo, and the 414, they call me Mike. I'm joined, as always, alongside the partner in crime, the Hogan to my macho, Huckleberry number one, RBV. Rick, welcome back to your show. It's me, it's me. It's that R to the B to the V. Rick Vickery here again. Hey, Jargo, let me ask you something. Is that storm cleared out of there? Because I think we're getting it now. You know, the last two days have just been pure uh, frozen hell here in northern Ohio. Yeah, it, uh, we got dumped on Monday. And then we got snow yesterday, and we're expecting snow tonight, and we're expecting snow tomorrow, and we're expecting snow on Saturday, and I believe every day through Tuesday, they're talking that we're probably going to get about another 14 inches. Uh, so, I think we're, we're somewhere right in the ballpark with you. I think they're calling for us right to that 10 to 12 mark, and we've got another week of it. Uh, we've actually, this time around, we usually don't get it here. But we're getting quite a bit of ice, which is making things a little bit difficult. And I was out clearing off the, the driveway, and we usually got a, a very nice snowblower. Uh, usually, I don't know, half hour, 45-minute job, man. It was almost pushing two hours with the ice, man. What, what a pain in the ass. But uh, ready to switch gears from Mother Nature uh, and talk a little wrestling. Well, it's funny enough. Uh, Raw this week was in Des Moines, Iowa, and I saw a few people comment online, wow, this crowd is really hot tonight. Well, we got a snowstorm, like, literally hours before Raw. I didn't expect a very good crowd whatsoever. But the people that were there, they were there to cheer. Because Iowa had a really shitty day. I mean, it, it's just one of those things where you get a bunch of Iowans together after a snowstorm. If people show up, they're there to party. Not to just well, sit on our hands. Well, you know, you know both... Both shows this week, you know, Monday and Tuesday, because what SmackDown was over in uh, Kansas, Kansas City. City. Yep. And you know what? Uh, I, I'm not really, I'm not so down on the product this week. Uh, I think it is very fitting, you know, with with uh, the name of our show here, the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. It, I thought that, you know, they had a great direction, some solid wrestling. They just really weren't hitting the marks. But, you know, I've not knocked it down on it. But the few times I really did pop, it was because of the, the crowd participation. I will say this. Um, most of the time we come on here and all we do is complain about WWE today is not going to be that kind of day. I thought this was one of the better weeks that WWE has had, even though there wasn't necessarily a whole lot done this week, but overall, I thought both shows were very watchable this week. I, I completely agree. You know, just kind of going back to what I said, I just, sometimes it, it just felt a little flat at times. Uh, you know, like like I said, you know, they're going in the right direction, but the execution just maybe isn't quite there. Well, some of these stories that are going on here have been going on for months. And some of them were actually revisiting, even though we thought they were gone. So eh, a little tit for tat, I guess. Uh, so let's kick things off with Monday Night Raw from the frozen tundra that is Des Moines, Iowa. A uh, little bit different format to the show this week. Uh, Raw kicks off with a, a promo from Bray as well as a promo from Roman rather than a 20-minute long talking segment. And then we go directly to a match. Uh, I really enjoyed the Wyatt promo here. I would enjoy the Wyatt promo a lot more if I actually could take Bray Wyatt seriously. I mean, he's just been jobbed out so much over the last couple of years. I just, I can't take him seriously. You know, I, I, I'm going to somewhat agree with you here. I, I kind of like how they went at this thing. You know, we, we start off 
with these two cutting their promos against one another. I liked how they shaped, you know, that was a little bit of a shakeup, and that was the big match being hyped going into tonight's program. So you know, we're getting that f- right from the get-go. You know, they would end up kicking off the show with the match, and we would understand later on why later on in the program. But I, I really wasn't feeling the, the Wyatt promo uh, all that much. Is it just that Wyatt is so damaged? I, I really think what really did it for me it's not that just because he's damaged, I immediately write it off. I, I wanted to give him, you know, I continue to give him a shot. I want to hear what he has to say. I want him to succeed. Ever since he's really entered into this program with Hardy, it almost seems like in his promos, there's more of that comical side to him that, that just does not hit with me. It does not click. Uh, I, I think it's supposed to come across maniacal, but it comes across way more comical. Well, what they're trying to do, it's like they're trying to have him, you know, portray parts of uh, of Hardy in himself right now. Uh, and he, he doesn't need to be doing it. He needs to stay true to the Wyatt character. Here, Here's a random fact that you probably don't know about me. I am a huge Charles Manson mark. I, I am just fascinated by Uncle Charlie. All right. And of course, I, I was a psych major in college, so go figure that I would be fascinated by Charles Manson. But in reading everything that I've ever read about Charlie, and in reading the books written about Charlie, interviews with Charlie, that's what Bray Wyatt is. I mean, Bray Wyatt talks in circles, just like Charles Manson. That's basically the character, and I've gotten that for years. So the promos don't necessarily bother me. What bothers me is as I'm watching Bray Wyatt, the only thing I can think is, damn, that guy was supposed to be the next Undertaker. Like he's so damaged in the booking to me that I can't even watch his promo and take it seriously because the whole time he's on my screen, all I can think is, damn, they really dropped the ball with that guy. His promos have never bothered me. And I know a lot of people go, well, I can't understand what he's saying. What's he talking about? That's the point. Yeah, that's the game. to confuse you. And if you really listen, you'll be able to pick up on those deeper meanings that are coming from him. I'm not even getting that vibe from him now. Now, and to add to what you're saying about him just being so damaged, what I really didn't like about this promo is that he just blatantly comes out and talks about it. Yeah. Now, one year ago, this was my time. I was on the rise. And now this once, you know, I think he, you know, something paraphrasing, this great warrior is now forgotten. Yep. Yep. And it wasn't so much that that he actually came out and said that. It was a bit of that, but the timing, because I know you're going to lose against Roman Reigns tonight. There is no doubt in my mind you are right. going out and losing tonight. Yep. So it takes uh, Roman 15 minutes to beat Bray Wyatt. That one actually seemed a little bit legit to me. I, I, enjoy the match. I mean, these two got great chemistry. They work great off of one another. The thing that really bugged me when it comes to Roman Reigns this week is the opening promo. And I think this is one of those things where working in television news, it drives me nuts that 99.9% of the people on the face of the planet are not going to notice. Go back and watch that promo and watch Roman's eyes. He's reading off of a prompter and somebody's producing him. And here's your problem, though. If this is a pre-tape, give him points. Let it feel natural. If he messes up, you you got time to do another cut here. Yeah, that, that was the thing. Go off the prompter. That was the thing. I mean, you can clearly see him reading a prompter, and every once in a while, his eyes dart over to the left, 
And I'm guarantee you, it was a producer standing yeah, there telling him, get, "Do it like this. Do it like he's this." He's getting some cues to you know be a yo a mo more or something along those lines. But you can you can tell his eyes. He, he's reading right across. He's going from left to right. Yep, and, and, and uh, it's pretty clear. And it's the problem, pretty clear. The problem is here, like you know, you can do multiple takes. This is a pre-tape. And do furthermore, let it feel feel natural. And and I think this is a bigger story here. Do you want your top guy reading off a prompter? I mean, he's, if he's the top guy, at least trust him to cut the goddamn promo because I guarantee you, Miz is not reading off a script. I, I right now I'm going to say there's only two people that they would probably trust Miz and Wyatt. Cause I don't I've, think anybody can write Wyatt shit. I'm going to say Wyatt probably has hit. All right. I'm going to say prop three then Miz, Wyatt and Cena. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so Roman goes over clean. Uh, really, the only thing of any intrigue here was the Matt Hardy stuff because we're continuing this feud between Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt. I'm guessing the blow off to this thing is going to be WrestleMania. My problem here is we're seeing way too much Matt Hardy. And it's not even necessarily we're seeing too much Matt Hardy. We're seeing too much of Matt Hardy in the building where the wrestling is going on. We're not getting any of the character development here. Again, this is where they've just, you know, he's become joking that hardy. They've totally missed it here with what they got going. Did it? I know a lot of people out there were talking over in the Hameen Media discussion group with Acer's live chat. You know, a lot of people were expecting that Hardy would actually cost Wyatt this match. I, that was a, I thought maybe there was like a 10% chance of that because, you know, the agenda, you have the Roman agenda. Roman must look strong. Yeah, you know, I was sitting there 90% sure he was going to get that clean win as he did. Only 90? I, I would thought maybe 10%, maybe Hardy gets involved earlier. But it almost, you know, having him even make an appearance there, it, it didn't feel special, anything about it. See, uh, I wanted to see Matt Hardy jump Roman Reigns there. Like, I want to see Matt Hardy come out, and I want, well, if, okay. but if he's going to interfere, I want to see him beat the shit out of Roman Reigns. Uh, because that's, well, that's what well, Broken Matt would do. At this, at this point, Broken Matt was a heel, though, at first. You know, Woken is a is a baby. Well, no, just because it would confuse everybody. You know, everybody, okay. why is he beating up on Roman? He, like, okay. have Bray standing right there, all ready to now, square off, and have now Matt you go pitch, after Roman. You pitch, you pitch that idea in creative, and you're going to get your ass laughed out of the room by Vince because you're not going to make Roman look weak to Matt Hardy. There is that. Even I have a hard time stomaching that concept at this point. I mean, Matt Hardy, right. man, just watching Matt walk around is painful. Uh, well, you know what you should have done there? You should have. And this is where we're missing. I mean, this would have been a perfect time. You've got Hardy, or not Hardy, you've got Wyatt waking up just like stunned and confused that Roman got the best of him, you know, once again, because these two have had, you know, major wars over the years with one another. Uh, yeah. He's getting confused. And then you have the lights go down and then you introduce like Vanguard one. You know, I, I got to thinking about something the other night and it just, I just laughed myself because you know how I always go off about how, you know, Roman's not the guy, Roman's not the guy. And then I thought, well, maybe the problem is the other part of the roster because I mean, at least, you know, Cena had Orton and then I'm listening to Wyatt talk and Wyatt's like, you know, my nemesis Roman Reigns. And it's like, damn, if your nemesis is Bray Wyatt, it's, it's pretty hard to get over because nobody cares about Bray Wyatt anymore. You know, I think, which, I mean, I hate to say it's going to be kind of rough on the road to WrestleMania. When we get past this, though, and Roman does emerge as the universal champion, 
you know, his, his nemesis is going to become the Miz. Uh, and hopefully. And that, and the Miz will be able to carry Roman, hopefully, to another level here. You know, hopefully those two can, you know, put on a program that'll run through the spring and summer that, you know, people are really going to be able to invest in. See, it, even as much as I like that because I love the Miz, there's no reason that Roman Reigns should lose to the Miz other than the Miz outsmarts Roman. I think Roman's nemesis needs to be somebody who is his equal and is his peer. Somebody like, I don't know, Drew McIntyre. I want to see a match between Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns. Somebody who's as big as Roman, as strong as Roman, and can actually fucking work. Because, I God, we gave Cena hell for the five moves of Doom forever. What's Roman got? Three? I think you'd get a major, a major pop moment. You know, you always look for that night after WrestleMania, that, you know, that raw, you know, that pops that they have there. You got Roman out there as your champ. Hey, and maybe, hey, you, and like you take your idea here with McIntyre and you go in a completely different direction than everyone's expecting. You know, I'm, I'm expecting, I'm looking forward to Miz getting that opportunity. I think he's going to elevate him. I do agree with you. He's going to have to play just that I'm going to cut every corner and cheat you with every chance I've got. I'm smarter than you, but you're right. I can't equal you physically. Hey, I think it'd be a major pop if they, you know, took your idea and from nowhere, McIntyre lays out the new champ. Man, if you give me a heel Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns, I can absolutely buy into that program. If you haven't watched any of Drew McIntyre's stuff since he left the WWE, you are seriously missing out. Uh, and one thing, I think it, it really helps the entire company. It helps the NXT brand, especially if they would go in your direction. Because the last time we had seen that guy, you know, he was the NXT champ, and now he's automatically – he's you know, vaulting himself over the entire Raw roster, and he's going right at the Universal Champ. It's going to help elevate that championship. Uh, it's going to give Roman a competitor who, when they go, when they stand nose to nose like that, you're going to see almost the exact same build, and they both can. And you know, people like to hate on Roman, but the guy for his style, he can go in the ring, and those two could probably put on some incredible matches. Yep, I, I completely agree. I think Drew could carry. Roman some really good matches because man Drew has gotten so good so good and his heel character work is incredible god I want to see that match uh so let's move on to the uh, Jersey Mike segment presented by Kleenex introducing new softer Kleenex tissues now in prettier packages sometimes a little change can make a big difference Kleenex This had to be Jersey's greatest episode of Monday Night Raw ever because we have got women segments coming out of our freaking ears on this show. We had like five women segments. Holy crap. So let's let's start things off with his uh, girl, Sasha Banks and Bailey. Uh, This one that that backstage interview that they had back and forth to me was a huge missed opportunity. You've got Sasha playing the, the, the cocky, almost ratchet Sasha, right? This is the first time that we've seen an interaction between Sasha and Bailey since the Rumble when Sasha dumped her. And we just get it in like a passing comment. Can't we just have like bitch Sasha? Like we, we went from babyface Sasha to bitch Sasha. And now we're going back in time. Like I, I made the comment here a couple of weeks ago that I felt like, you know, we went from chapter one of the book to chapter 12. 
all of a sudden we jump back to chapter six. I just, I don't understand it. I, I think this is just, this is some staff gap good booking for them because they need to try to create some other drama within this women's chamber match. Because honestly, it shouldn't be happening. There's not a whole lot of interest going on there. There's just, you know, a lot of, not a lot of, you know, intrigue to who's really going to be walking out with this thing. So they're just trying to go full throttle just to try to get, you know, to shake up something going on in the roster here. I thought it was, you know, an okay promo between the two of them. It's just, I, I, I thought it was mistimed. You know, I want to hear Bailey be like, what's up with you? What is up your ass? You're, you are right, though. This probably something like this should have happened before the women's rumble. Yeah, like where you like, start, where laying, you start you know, seeing the character turn. It was like, you right. know, we went from zero to 100 and now we're going back to 50. Well, you start laying the seeds that, you know, Sasha's going back to that boss attitude. You know, what a, you know, a boss or really, I mean, the boss is really a nicer term for bitch. Yeah, basically. Uh, she's going back to bitch banks. Ratchet and, Sasha. And you could have that interaction there between her and Bailey, and you could almost have the exact same verbiage and just applied it to the Rumble match. Exactly. And then, then, then this week, you could really start driving some heat between these two. Yep. We're just, we're, it's like we're skipping around inside of the story here. I just want it to progress week to week, not go from one to 10 to four. To, it's, it, yeah, you remember when you were a kid and they had those like, you know, make your own storybooks? You know, if you wish to do this, turn to page 84. If you wish to do this, turn to page 67. It was like, you know, we went to page 84 and we didn't like that. So we jumped back to 67. It's so weird. Uh, we have the uh, Asuka versus Bailey match. Uh, number one, I wanted to comment on that little vignette that they ran hyping it, which was awesome. But it was basically the same vignettes that they were running when Asuka was about ready to debut. Like, why haven't we been running these all along? It's cool that you're making Asuka a big deal, but why are we not doing this consistently every week? Now it just feels kind of out of place. Yeah, I thought it was pretty... Did they use it for another match, too, in the evening? Something along those lines where they give you a little hype, like they're coming back with it? Um, If we get through the run, maybe it'll come to me. But yeah, I I enjoyed it, you know, because it really put the hype on Asuka is the big deal. You know, who is ready? Oh, I understand. Yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, who is ready for her? Who's going to get that that opportunity and who's going to be the one to, you know, to make history themselves by handing her that that big loss? Last week, I said, you know, that might have been the best match that Sasha has had since the feud with Charlotte. The match that Asuka had with Bailey, undoubtedly the best match that Bailey's had in two years. What's the constant? Asuka. Well, yeah. She's I'm got that AJ Styles quality to her. She makes everybody in the ring better. Without going back and like actually researching it, uh, just off the top of my head, it's probably the best the best match of Bailey's head since she left NXT. Yeah, I can't remember a better Bailey match. I mean, boy, I'd have to think about it. I know she's had some good ones, but that was the best one in a very long time. That's for sure. Hey, you know, coming out of it. I, I I had a better feeling coming out of this match, and it, and it maybe it was more because of the Bailey character. Uh, I think just personally, you know, I prefer her over Sasha Banks, and I just had that feeling like, man, I wish that at, you know, there's still is time, and I wish they could get it right with Bailey. 
Oh, so do I. So do I. And, and I, I still think the way to do that is to put together a new version of the beautiful people, have it be Sasha and Bliss together and just berate Bailey for the next six months. I wouldn't let Bailey win a match, get over in a promo, nothing. Just have those two girls just berate that girl to the point where you want to explode because you want to see Bailey kick their ass. Uh, then we have the Kurt Angle and Alexa Bliss promo which seems to be getting a lot of traction here. I don't know if Vince had a bad day and felt like he had some things that he needed to get off his chest or what. Um, I thought Alexa's part of the promo was really good, and I thought Kurt seemed like a bumbling buffoon for getting his lines left and right and his cadence and not exactly sure of what the hell was going on. Kurt's not a guy you send out there with 15 minutes of... A script to remember. No, and that's the freaking problem. I mean, he's a gold medalist. He won it with a broken freaking neck. He's a multi-time world champion. He's taken a couple of chair shots over the course of the years. How in the fuck do you expect him to remember 15 minutes of dialogue that you know he was just handed a couple of hours ago? But I'm, 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 there's a very, very close comparison here between Kurt Angle and Shane McMahon. I'm not sure which one's getting worse. Both of them are just getting God freaking awful. Well, you know, a, a great pitch, you know, to solve this thing. Uh, I don't know if you had a chance to, uh, to hear it. You know, we are recording on a Wednesday afternoon and they just dropped it this morning. But before we went on, uh, as I was doing some work here in the office, uh, I, I uh, you know, I went over to the Hacker Humming Media Group and fired up the Wednesday edition of the locker room and the guys over there, they, they actually had a good point. You know, when Kurt was in TNA as the head authority figure, he would go out there with a clipboard. So he had his points. Yeah, that would help. And you know what? It, that and, would you help. Know, and to their point, you know, it was uh, crusher Steve King over there that brought it up. It, it, it wouldn't look out of place because if you're a management type, you, you're familiar seeing those people, you know, walking through the factory or through the office with, you know, their clipboard or whatever. Did you see Balo come at me? Hell, did, did you see on. that? Balo coming at me on the in the freaking Hami media discussion uh, group? You know what? He came at you in the group, but uh, he was putting you over today on the show pretty big. Oh, yeah? Uh, he, I'll he definitely be sure to listen to that then. He, he referenced uh, a few points, you know, that, that maybe – a few of us in the Hameen family, we don't see eye to eye on uh, and some suggestions. Oh, I know when it came up, especially in the, uh, the Finn Balor conversation, uh, because, you know, they're always quick to point out that, you know, it's you and, and Balo and maybe a few other kind of verse everyone when yeah, it comes pretty to much. in the family on that. And they had suggested, you know, about him going to 205 Live and they put you over as, you know, the first one of, in our family to actually to really get strong behind that movement. Yeah, see, see, I, I, I challenge him, and then uh, he puts me over. It's interesting. Well, you know, they were talking about that clipboard there, and I think it's a fabulous idea, and they were talking about how Kurt did that in Impact, but oh, Mick Foley had just done this when he was the Raw General Manager. Yep, yep. You know, if it's going to help those guys get through these 15, 20-minute promos where they've got their points right there, then so be it, man. Give them everything they can to succeed to improve the product. Man, my stomach is growling. Crazy. My, um, I guess back to the bliss thing. I mean, what what did you really take from you know the angle they went with this, the direction, the super feminist bitch? Uh, it intrigues me. 
it intrigues me. Like it, it almost feels like somebody was flipping Vince shit and he had some things that he needed to get off of his chest. Um, I, I like the angle. I think it's interesting. That's for sure. Um, the thing I didn't like about this entire exchange was the announcements of who's going to be in the chamber. And then the stupid Nia Jax versus Oscar match. Yeah. That one threw me for a loop. I mean, I just want, it's, I just want how talk. do you want to break this thing let's, down? Cause there was so start, many moving start, parts here. Let's start with Alexa's Alexa's, um, you know, her angle here. No, no pun intended. Well, she the has house. a point. She has a point. And Kurt angle had a very good counterpoint, which was also nice that she hadn't defended that freaking title since October. But did she see, and I, I'm not going so much with what she said to me. What I, what really got for me is this is, this is bliss. You know, she is kind of, she's that cunning, that she's cunning the bitch. female version of the Miz. She's going to use whatever she can to try to throw it in your face. Hey, and you know what? And I, it, I kind of, you know, I took notice, you know, and I started enjoying, I it's, she's been off the radar for a while. You know, she hasn't really been featured anything, although she's been champion, which is just ridiculous. But I think this thing got some great heat on her because, you know, even I'm sitting there listening to this and I'm like, man, what? see you next Tuesday. Yeah. I, I, I'm just, I'm confused by this entire thing that's going on when it comes to the championship right now. Because, okay, so Alexa's going to defend it inside of the chamber. Okay, fine. But it seemed like a foregone conclusion on this episode that it's going to be Asuka and Bliss at WrestleMania. I think a lot of people are assuming that now. And I think it's still up in the air, even what, you know, the possibility of Jax joining it, what really that means. And here's how, and I think the reason that's because Kirk got fumbled his, you know, his message so much that it, people were kind of confused by what we should be thinking about here. Well, it, yeah, it's still Oscar. Oscar still has her chance to choose, you know, who she wants to face. That is still out there on the table because they actually corrected it later in the show. And they corrected that on Tuesday, that point, she still has an option to choose whichever champion she would like to challenge at WrestleMania. So does Nia Jax get like a 50, 50 well, say in what's going on here? Because the way it sounded is if she beats Oscar, then whatever match Oscar is going to be in at WrestleMania will well, be a triple here's, threat. Here's where it gets confusing. If you go look at how WWE has this outline now, how they're explaining it, Oscar still has tr- her, her right to choose the champion that she would like to challenge at WrestleMania. But if Jax would beat her, at Elimination Chamber, then Jax is added to the Raw women's match. But it's way too confusing. And Kurt did a very, very bad job of attempting to explain what's going on. Because that was the problem there. As I'm watching it and I'm going, wait, what? If I have that problem, how is somebody who's just watching for, you know, like the second or third time since Raw 25... How in the hell are they going to understand what's going on? I mean, we obviously know that's not happening. None of those viewers came back, but they're 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 really they're trying to get they're trying to build a card because you got two chamber matches where you're eating up twelve of your talents when you already have shorter roster because of the brand split. So they're trying to and they're trying to add stipulations in to make these matches meaningful whatsoever. I'm not really sure. You know what? I'll take that back. When I was going to say, I'm not sure if I even care now. I do care if there was if it was just Oscar versus Jax. I don't care whatsoever. Right. Not in the least. 
now the stipulation is there. I am intrigued because I am almost terrified that they're going to put Jax over and put her uh, her sorry excuse of a freaking performing ass in one of those women's marquee matches at WrestleMania. Are they that fucking stupid? I, I don't put it past them. Do you really think that they would let Asuka's first loss come to Nia Jax and then put her in one of the women's title matches as a triple threat at WrestleMania? I hope I hope it is not, but you know there is but there well there's there might be five rumored WrestleMania cards floating around out there. You know, but the one that you kind of see picking up traction is that they want to do Nia some sort of way against Bliss at WrestleMania. And as much as I hate the idea of that happening, they have been slowly burning a backstory there, you know, with the friends. And, you know, sometimes is Alexa really a true friend to her or do they really have each other's backs? You know, what is the dynamic there? They can build off of that going to WrestleMania. It would even scares me more. And I can see them going this route. And this is a lot of the reasons, you know, that, that individuals like myself and Ben give Jack so much shit. Is because there's that such divide. She doesn't properly portray her character on television. You know, they try to tell she's what the invincible, the irresistible force, or the invincible yeah. force now, and and she's supposed to be this big monster. But then we go see her. You know, she whoa me, they're body shaming me. I want to be a glam. I want to be a pretty girl too. So I think they're going to use this where they're going to they're going to put Jax as the baby who's going to be that that oafy girl in high school who Bliss just turns into the mean girl and just beats down, beats down, beats down, make it a triple threat. Like you said, uh, you bring Sasha with her new attitude into that. And you got bliss and Sasha playing mean girls towards Jax, who just wants to be this big, beautiful, you know, baby for everyone to love. I got a, I am terrified. They're going to go in that direction. That screams main event of the pre-show. Oh, I know. Hey, I, Dude, I, I'm not saying I want it to happen in any way. I'm just putting myself inside the mind of WWE creative and where they go with with all their other, you know, be a star. It, you could tie this into that, man. Nia can become your new face of the uh, be a star program. And, you know, we love big and beautiful women. We love all women that should be treated equally. And these mean, nasty girls, they're the big villains. I, I could just see them going this direction. Here's my problem with that. In order to get there, Asuka's first loss is going to come to Nia fucking Jax. Really? I think you could probably get there without her actually winning that match. Come on, you know, it is wrestling. Uh, we can see something on Sunday night and they could completely change the rules on Monday night. Uh, they, you know, they could simply just have some sort of, uh, you could just, you could just make up a match on the fly on Monday. Hey, but I, I'm, I'm not going to be completely shocked if they go ahead and, and make this move. I, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope I am wrong. But I, I just want to throw it out there for people. You know, put yourself in creative's head. You know, and you know, the other rumor out there for her first loss is to Rousey. And I don't think that's a great move whatsoever to bring an outsider like that. You know, and to me, that's that's even more off-putting than, than Brock ending the taker streak. You know, because at least Brock had ties to professional wrestling. You know, he it was he's an established, you know, one of the greatest performers of the of the two thousands, one of the biggest names. That w- that makes more sense than just completely giving away, you know, two and a half, three years of build 
just because you got this, you know, pretty new toy. We'll talk some more about Ronda Rousey here in a second. Uh, let's let's stay on this Alexa Bliss Nia Jax thing. We have uh, Vanessa Ford versus Nia Jax. We're, we're we're seriously back to Nia squash matches. Like hey, that's where that? we're at. Did you see that this Ford girl? She was only seventeen years old. Yeah. What the fuck? How does that uh, work? I, I you know I didn't I didn't read into the story too much. I didn't want to waste too much of my prep on it. Uh, did I mean did they know this going in? I mean, well, it sounds like she's now. been working indies and like, like she's a regular worker. Like this girl's been at it for a while. Well, I get that. You know, some indies will do that for you. But, you know, as in our post rumble show, which well, hell, that was last week, you know, when we had Gooch on, you know, he was telling us a story about how they had to finagle some paperwork and numbers to get the Briscoes mm-hmm. onto a show for uh, Jersey all pro. That's crazy. Yeah. I couldn't believe that girl was 17. I, I, and I also couldn't believe that we were back to Nia squash matches. Like good God, I thought we were beyond this. I'm not opposed to squash I, matches, but do we really need them for somebody that's been on the roster for what two years? You know, I, I see both sides of the coin here. Uh, you know, some people were this is well she should have been the entire time. You know, my first question, and maybe you're seeing it this way, is it now? Is it too late to go back and, and revisit that? That's kind of where I'm at with it. I mean, like seriously. Let's remember, like what three weeks ago, she was in a love storyline with Enzo. And she was the, oh, look, oh, Enzo, how you doing, girl? Like, and now all of a sudden I'm supposed to take her as a monster again? Like, well, come and, on. And, and you know, on the other side of that, you know, I'm going to just compare something real quick on SmackDown, like with the Bludgeon Brothers. Yes, I know they're big and they're awesome and we know their history. But, you know, they're acting like, oh, they're at this new level now. They're down. They're, they're being, and this is the same case with Nia. If they're beating complete nobodies, even in dominant fashion, that still doesn't make me believe whatsoever they're ready for, you know, in the case of the Bludgeon Brothers, that they're ready just to jump up for the Usos, which, I mean, that is way more believable than this with, you know, to, to believe that Nia's ready to challenge, seriously challenge Asuka now because she's beating up some scrub off the street. Yeah. And a couple of weeks ago, she was taking Enzo chicken soup. That was her role on the show, taking Enzo chicken soup. Oscar right now, you know, not only did she outlast 29 other female superstars the last two weeks, she has beaten, you know, t- two of those superstars that you present as your top talents on the entire roster. And now her big challenger is just, you know, squashing, you know, Jane Doe. Uh, Vanessa Ford. I had to look up her name again here. Uh, oh, I know what I meant, but I mean, just, right. you know. For weeks, you just you know, this is supposed to get us hyped for a couple weeks, uh, and then the promo afterwards. Yeah, I just Nia Jax with a microphone in her face is always a bad idea. Blown up Nia Jax after a one minute well, squash match is an even worse. Yeah, idea. She, hey, this that first uh, thirty seconds, man, she was really she was <gasps> bumping for air, wasn't she? Man. But but her even the message there I didn't really buy into and come on, you know everyone has the network we know the you know the continuity throughout you know the brands and all that for her to come out and say you know Oscar's afraid of me because she knows I'm the only one she can't beat well we all know she's beaten you three times yeah what's different it, now has Naya gotten any better well that's how they should have presented this you know she should have said you know what she has gotten me in the past. But this is a new Nia Jax. This is the the irresistible force. This I am bigger, badder than than ever. 
I'm ready for Asuka. She, if she would have came out that way, okay, there's a little more fire in her. Not this, she can, she can never beat me crap because, you know. I'm ready I don't for know, her Asuka. to be released. Fucking uh, I mean, that's, a, that's another thing before we move off here, you know, and, and I get on her. She is the only talent that I would say needs to go away from professional wrestling. You know, everyone else, you know, I, I admire their dedication, uh, you know, how much they put in. You know, even if I'm not really a big fan of them, you know, like a Finn, I know the markability that's there. I know how valuable he could be. I know how, how much people love him. I see zero redeeming qualities in Nia Jax whatsoever. Yep. I'm you know, right people, oh, you. Great. you know, she's, look at her size. She's a monster. You know, outside of her, you know, just the tie-ins with her name, get rid of that size crap. I can go to any curves in this country and find you 12 Nia Jackson. It reminds me of uh, Piper Niven when the Mae Young Classic was going on and everybody was ranting and raving about how great Piper Niven was. And I made the comment, if she wasn't fat, nobody would care. She's an average worker. Yes. But but she was fat, so that made her special. No, you take come a, on. You take 100 pounds off Nia, no one gives a crap yep. whatsoever. Exactly, exactly. Uh, now, if she, if she had an attitude like Baszler. Right. Now it, watch out. Completely different scenario. I don't know why she just isn't. It's already been done. There's a blueprint from Awesome Kong. Yeah. I'm really digging Shayna Baszler, man. I've, I've been down on that girl for most of her professional wrestling career, but the last uh, two, three months, she's really turned it up, really starting to see some money in that girl. Uh, let, let, let's stick with the Alexa Bliss side of the equation now. Mickey James versus Sonya Deville. Uh, not that I really cared too much about the match, but saved by Alexa Bliss? Uh, you know, just real quick on a match. Hey, man, uh, Mickey goes out. Let's let's Deville get her stuff in the whole time. I think at the right call, just to keep Mickey as that established veteran. If you're going to elevate, if you're going to keep Sonya Deville around, stick her in a program with Mickey James, and she'll learn a hell of a lot in three months. Well, that's what I'm saying. You know, Mickey let her get all that stuff in during that match, but then they made the right call, so you can always keep you know Mickey in the back of your mind as that threat. That veteran's always there. She steals the win with the roll up. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Then now to get to your point, though. You know, I, I think this was confusing to some people out there. They didn't really know what to make of it. This is Blitz, this is Blitz knowing that that she needs help. Inside she needs of the somebody. Chamber. Yes, she needs a teammate in there. And, of course, this goes back quite a ways. Alexa Bliss is the one that brought Mickey, Mickey James back. I, you know what? They've, they're going to play that up. I've seen them already playing that up. But what I haven't seen them bring up, and they better they better do it, because it could add a great dynamic to the story between these two is that two months ago she was calling her uh, old granny panties and or whatever, you know, just picking on her age the entire time. Yep. Uh, only other real big note when it comes to uh, the women's division. The elimination chamber is the last one, right? No, it's not. No. It, what what's the one after elimination chamber? What else is left after elimination chamber? Uh, you can make history by main eventing a WrestleMania. Oh, for fuck's sake! Dude, that's you knew exactly what I was talking about. Of course, it probably yep. helps that you have the run in front of you. But we're done with <laughs> oh, this history making shit, right? We're done with this history making shit, right? Uh, you've got you've got one more, uh, one more major one. 
I'm so over them shoving this thing down my throat. It's history making, history making, history making, history making, history making. Well, I guess, you know, they could throw in some other ones. You know, I guess we could have our first ever women's war games. Oh, for fuck's sake. Uh, first ever women's Judy Bagwell on a pole match. <sighs> but yeah, you know, the big Bro. one is, hey, the big one is the first ever women headlining WrestleMania. Oh, and won't it be so grand when it's uh, the women are Ronda Rousey and Stephanie McMahon? I'm happy that you bring her up because that was the only other thing I wanted to touch on inside of the women's division here. And it's not even on your run because even you don't know where Ronda Rousey is. Remember when Ronda Rousey was a full-time talent and she like had that big moment at the Royal Rumble? I'm not sure that her name was uttered on this fucking show. The biggest star in the company. We're not even going to mention they, her they name. You have five women's segments. I find it. I don't recall it, but I find it hard to believe they didn't even mention it one time. Nothing. I, I, not that I remember. Not that I remember. You, you know, even with that, why are even if you you don't really know your direction with her yet, I don't. I think they're still up in the air. They're just trying to get through these next two events and and then try to figure out where they're going. Okay. And I think and, and that's with a bunch of talents. I believe that's the issue. And then this is what begs the question because I was talking to Jersey Mike. This is his segment after all about this last night. He's like, oh man, you're not going to see her until the elimination chamber. Then what in the fuck was the point of what she did at the rumble? What was the fucking point? Just completely blow our load early with absolutely no press, no marketing, no advertising Let's just run her out there, point at the WrestleMania sign, and then we're going to pretend that it never happened. Until so after Elimination Chamber? What was the fucking point? Uh, again, again, my issue with it there, and I don't want to go back and harp on it, you know, because they've coming out of the gate, they dropped the ball on how they're handling this. They, they missed great opportunities to, to grab viewers and bring them in and get them invested. I don't know why, you know, you, you mentioned earlier in our conversation, the awesome vignettes for Asuka. Why are we not seeing something like that now? teasing the shit out of anything anything possible that could be happening with Ronda Rousey. Right. Hey, and, and you know, going, she doesn't have to be in the arena. Here's, here's an amazing thing about technology out there. You know, I am sitting in northern Ohio. Jarry, you are sitting in the middle of Iowa. And guess what? We are sitting here broadcasting to, to anyone that wants to listen to us around the world. We can actually sit here and, and look into one another's homes as we're doing this. It, isn't WWE really big on this kick now about their little selfie? I was selfie just movement? about to say, if like, only why? we could shoot promos on cell phones. Hey, you know what? You're trying to you're trying to put over Facebook Watch. Why don't you pop it up on the Titantron? Hey, you can also go to Facebook our Facebook Watch page right now to see this promo, and we're going to show it to you here on USA. And you got the nice fancy Facebook Watch logo with. Oh, man, that just reminded me about these terrible new graphics. I mean, I thought I was going to lose it over the graphic packages on the show. But, hey, but you got a great promotional tool right there to wherever Rhonda's out at. You know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that she's not off in some, you know, excluded island where there is no sort of Internet service. You can reach her wherever you want around the world to bring her onto your shows. Oh, they need the Wi-Fi. Need the Wi-Fi. Uh, so let's talk about another uh, sideshow attraction aside from the women's division, and that's 205 Live. 
Uh, they had a 205 Live match on this show. Don't even really care about the match. I was much more intrigued by Drake Maverick. Hey, you know what? Commentary. All, all around, well, I'm, I'm going to let you jump into what you thought about his commentary, but I'm going to say all around just having uh, Drake Maverick. And I thought it was kind of you know funny how they even mentioned him. You might know him as Rockstar Spud, but he has a yeah. new name. What the hell? If we're going to put over the name Rockstar Spud, why are we calling him Drake Maverick? Well, and I wish they could have explained that, too. He could have came in and said, you know, you know, Rockstar Spud, that's my in-ring persona, you know, but I, I'm a very professional coming into this. Uh, I wanted to, yep, you know, just... That would have been great. Just, very simple. You could have put over why the change. Yep. But anyway, you know what? He did an incredible job of putting over the 205 product, man. That is the voice they need behind it. And as I said, you said you didn't really want to talk about the match. I don't have a lot to add about the match, but it was probably the first 205 match in a long time that I paid attention to. And I can actually remember spots to finish, uh, you know, some of the moves. I, I was more invested and intrigued by, you know, the moveset. I'm going to say props to him. What would you take from it, brother? Um, I, I'm right there with you. Uh, it was one of the better 205 matches that I've seen in a very long time. But Spud on commentary forced me to pay attention to it. Is this going to work? I mean, can can Spud get over as just an authority figure doing commentary once in a while, talking into a mic? And are we actually going to change the booking of 205 Live? Are we getting serious about this thing finally after two years or whatever the hell it's been? And you know what? In the way that he put him over, too, you know, he just wasn't out there just, oh, tuned in, blah, blah, blah. You know, he was bringing, you know, I love, really loved how he brought up. He said, you know, two years ago when the classic happened, man, people, it was it was the buzz of the wrestling world. People wrestling, that is my goal to bring that back. Just by you know, those trigger words, you know, that's gonna that's gonna bring up some emotions of people, how they felt about that back then, which is gonna make them hungry for that again. So it's a great opportunity for them to, you know, to fix the, the train wreck that has happened so far. There's, hey, there's been they're a- adding they're adding names here. To 205, you know, we've got one. I know you want to jump into it, and I did not see the match. I was mistaken. I thought it was next week, uh, so I missed out. So immediately when we get done recording, I'm going to go check it out, but I'm going to let you run with it here, man. Uh, one more note on Maverick. I he Typically, he would get my Commentator of the Week award, but there was somebody actually better than Spud on commentary. We'll talk about him a little bit later on in the show. Uh, the, the match that you're referring to is Roderick Strong versus Hideo Itami. This match went down on 205 Live last night. Props to our boy William Alicia for uh, giving me a shout out and being like, hey, you need to watch this because otherwise I wouldn't have. Uh, they gave these guys about 15, 20 minutes and they beat the ever-loving tar out of one another. Uh, fantastic match. Really, really good. Crowd did not give a shit. People just looking at their phones, hanging out. And I guess basically what happened, and I I thought this was an interesting note. We're not going to talk about it on SmackDown, so I'll throw it in here. Uh, You'll notice Baron Corbin was missing from SmackDown Live last night. He was actually in a dark match. Uh, He got the pop of the night last night. Well, hometown boy. Yep. He got the the pop, and that's why he was left off the show. Because that's the reason he was left off the actual SmackDown Live. They yep. didn't want Corbin, you know, to steal any of that heat that they've got on him right now, uh, with him being the hometown boy getting that huge pop. Uh, smart yeah, move, so though. I, smart move, though, by WWE throwing him in the dark match after 
205 Live because evidently the crowd stuck around for Baron Corbin. So there was a good crowd, but they just so weren't really into let's, it. Let's go back to the to the match itself. And you're talking about the crowd, and it just kind of ties in. Watching the match, did you get an NXT vibe just from the match itself? Actually, it was kind of weird because it made me feel like I was watching pro wrestling Noah over in Japan, which is kind of one of the the, the larger competitors to New Japan, if you don't know, which is where Kenta came from, Hideo okay. Itami. Um, and it very much felt like a Japanese strong style match, and the crowd was so out of the match that they felt well, like a Japanese crowd. <laughs> what I'm wondering here is, you know, we're talking about a crowd in the right in the middle of the Midwest. And these are these small towns that you and I always talk about. You know, you could these these talents might be over in these hot wrestling cities like Philadelphia or, or New York or yep. you know, down in, in Miami or, or somewhere along those lines. But, but small when you town go to Kansas. These small towns and they are not familiar with the two oh five product. Hell, they might not even be familiar with the with the NXT product. Yeah. We're going back to how are they gonna write this thing. I, I think they, this is a time they really need to take 205 off of the road and take this thing to full sale. I think the other thing, if you don't want to take 205 off of the road, as much as I hate to say it, you need Rey Mysterio. You put Rey Mysterio on 205 Live, it's going to sell tickets. Now, to me... I know Mysterio's bigger than that. But there's if, if Mysterio's on 205, there's nothing that says he can't be on Raw if, as well. If you're not sending the Finn Balors already on your roster there, you don't I go know. out and sign Ray. I'm sorry, coming in, Ray Mysterio will be a much bigger deal than the likes of Finn Balor. Uh, from a merchandise and just to uh, pop-wise, you know, to your casuals, to bring viewers in, Ray is where it's at. And I also wanted to give a another hat tip Props to the guys over on the Wednesday edition of the locker room on the Hacker Hobby Media Group. They're a great suggestion. Your program for AJ Styles running through SummerSlam with Rey Mysterio. I'd love to see that. I would absolutely love to see that. Speaking of Rey Mysterio, as, as Rick can see, I actually have a Rey Mysterio mask. But Rick, did you see the new edition here? I, I, you know what? I thought that was new. Yep. Now we've got we've got the dual mask over. Yep, we've, uh, we've got the Marty Skrull Birdman mask now. Studio A here for the Hitting the Mark Pro Wrestling podcast. Yeah. We've got the Skrull mask and the Rey Mysterio mask. I uh, even ordered with, a top hat for the mannequin head. Looks there we go. Along like with a, uh, I, I, what am I seeing here? We got a, a demon. Oh, I got all kinds. What of, are those things called? Uh, pop vinyl. I collect pop okay. vinyl. Yes. He's got some cool ones there. Or as Disco Inferno would call them, toys. Um. <laughs> uh Rollins and Jordan on this show. Uh Iowa's own Seth Rollins gets his own t-shirt representing the Hawkeye State. Uh I guess here here's my biggest takeaway from everything going on with Seth Rollins and Jason Jordan and the and the Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns versus the bar and Oh, Jason Jordan gets involved and gets him DQ'd and Seth yells at him backstage and all this bullshit. Thank God this program is finally over. I don't uh, need I, to I, see Seth Rollins versus Cesaro or Sheamus for at least the next five years. 
Hold on. Uh, I know we have gotten quite tired of this because, I mean, this thing's been running for almost a year now. I mean, since July. I, you know, ladies that have been impregnated, they've already had their kids in the time that we have seen this this feud running. Yes. We've I, seen I do, three I, versions of this fucking feud. I, I do. I do want to ask you this. They were selling this is the final time, but we got this swerve. I mean, what's what says this is the actual final time? Couldn't Jordan eventually go back? Say, let me make this right, man. I'll get my dad to give us another shot. But it'll be me and you this time. Well, here's the the part that I find incredibly more intriguing. It has come out that Jason Jordan had surgery on his neck to uh, repay, repair a ruptured disc. Uh, it's, it's a very uninvasive procedure, and it's it's kind of like you know putting a Band-Aid on a broken leg. It is basically the equivalency of what he had done at this point. He's going to have to have something done a little bit further down the road, but they're hoping that this will at least get him through WrestleMania. Um, is Seth Rollins cursed? I mean, last year, you know, he, he blows out his knee right before mania this year, you know, Ambrose gets hurt. Now Jordan gets hurt. Like if, if Jason Jordan is down for a while, what in the hell do you do with Seth Rollins here? I, the, the guy has the worst luck on the face of the freaking planet ever since he blew out his knee the first time. I guess I'll mention them one more time here. Boys in the locker room, they were talking about that. But I actually heard, I've listened to probably over the last two days, probably three or four different podcasts, you know, just on our platform and outside of that. And this is, this topic's been coming up here. You know, where do you go with these guys? Uh, real quick, though, with, with Jordan, I mean, this could be a very serious injury to him, correct? I mean, it's, yeah. it's kind of like what, and this what kind of put it like, did it in for the likes of like a Dean Malenko and an Arn Anderson? Yeah, this is uh, the kind of thing. I have a little bit of this. Um, like I, I cannot feel the pinky on my left hand because of my neck being completely screwed up from playing drums and headbanging way too hard for about okay. 15 years. So, so, so even in music, when you start losing your grip or you're, you're losing your use of your hands and your fingers, especially. Absolutely. I, you're kind of SOL, right? You know. Um, and, and that's the issue here. It sounds like he's having some severe issues with his grip. He's just not getting the strength from those nerves because when you have a ruptured disc, I mean, basically imagine it like, you know, if, if, if you cut your neck, you know, but rather than blood coming out, it's, you know, the, the cartilage between the bone inside of your neck. So what they did is they basically went in and they shaved part of that off to release some of the pressure on those nerves, hoping that that's going to increase his range of motion and feeling and everything else. But if that doesn't work, this guy is bound for neck surgery. He's still a really young kid. I mean, you hate to see a kid that young going through neck surgery at this point, especially when he's finally starting to gain a little bit of traction here. A little, I think he's, he's draining tremendous traction. He's getting a ton of heat. He's really getting into that character now. He's finding his way. But back to Rollins, uh, I, you know, I've heard from a couple, you know, outlets where they, you know, they propose maybe that that Kurt Angle steps up into that role. I mean, you can make some kind of easy transition because you know you got the father, oh, because uh, the, the, the tension between, him. yeah, somewhere along that. Does that turn Rollins though? Because I don't think I don't, we want to turn Seth. I almost Seth is so people do want to cheer him. They really do. 
but he seems so awkward as a baby. Oh, I agree. I think he's a much better heel, but I just, I don't think now is the time to turn him. I don't think now is the time. Uh, you know, I'm really surprised. Uh, not that I actually, have a, I don't have a major issue with the, the announcement of the match, but they're having that second chance qualifier between the four individuals next week for that final spot in the elimination chamber. I'm, I am shocked that Rollins isn't in consideration for, to enter that match to get something, to get something going. I feel like that would be a great spot for him too. Uh, going forward. Like if I had to, if we had to make a move now, pivot to Rollins and Balor. Rollins and Balor. That's the match I want at WrestleMania. You got nothing for Finn Balor. You got nothing for Seth Rollins. Seth brings back the freaking curb stomp on Finn. You do something with that story, damn it. You you do have that built there. I mean, they had that groundwork. Why are you trying to take me out? What kind of a threat am I to you? And then you can even build that until the Ambrose return and finally get your Shield versus Bullet Club match, assuming that you don't completely bury Anderson and Gallows, which... For some reason, they've been trying. Like Vince finally realized that Gallows was Festus and was like, "Oh my God, we got to get rid of this guy." I would also, I would maybe suggest too, because I'm so turned off by the idea that that's really getting a lot of, you know, attention out there with Braun and Miz. And I would rather see like a Rollins and Miz program. Yes, I do not want to see Strowman and Miz. I just don't want to see that. I, I think that would be a great program with those two. I think it'd be a tremendous match, and you know where, and Miz would probably help elevate Rollins on the mic and maybe make him a stronger performer coming out of this thing, so that in the spring and summer, Rollins you could is have ready him, to step up into that main event spot. Right. Yep, and I wouldn't completely throw out. You got some tension. You got some real tension going on between Jordan. Angle and Rollins, Angle trades Rollins to SmackDown, and maybe there's something over there for him. I could see that, too. I could see that. I don't necessarily know off the top of my head. Maybe anyone out there listening has an idea about this. You know, what would be the best fit for him moving over, you know, to to SmackDown Live? I I would love to see him just, you know, go right over there and get inserted in the U.S. title picture. Yeah, especially with that U.S. title picture starting to heat up. We'll talk about that a little bit in segment and two. And then, and then, I don't know, maybe if he even moves post-WrestleMania, you've got another great program there with Rollins and Styles for the WWE Championship. Yeah. I don't know. I think of all the options, Rollins and Balor, WrestleMania. That's the match I think I want to see. Uh, let, let, let's talk a little bit about Braun Strowman, John Cena here, because we have these awful selfie promos that you were referencing a little bit earlier. Do we really need to see Braun Strowman in a selfie promo? I mean, the, the Cena one was bad enough. You know, I, I put out, you know, a comment on a meme over in the live discussion on the Hami media discussion group on Facebook. You know, we, we've got a world-class multi-million dollar production company and we're shooting promos on boost mobile phones. Yeah. Why? And I, you know what, I will give them credit. I, I, I think it is cool, you know, coming from a marketing background where I try to, imp, you know, implement as much of these tra- strategies for the companies that I represent. Yeah, you know, I think it's cool that they're trying to reach out in that direction. It's just one of those things where I think they have the right intentions. They just are completely missing the mark with it. It's one of those things 
that it'd be really cool for like one guy to do it. Like if Titus was doing this with Titus worldwide and like, you know, sharing it to Facebook and Twitter because social media, we need a social media campaign for Titus worldwide. I could see that. I think that, I think that would be great. Or if you had someone for a show that was your social media ambassador. Yeah. I could see that. Like what New Day was doing on uh, SmackDown. I was going to say this when we get there. I, I, you know what? I liked the complete idea of what they were doing. I just thought it was annoying as hell because it was New Day. But I did like the idea. And I, I've been saying this on this show for a long time that they need to find ways to get people more involved like that. And especially at the live events, those that are actually there. Yeah, they're just trying way too hard to be cool. That's that's well, pretty much what I take it, away from these well, selfie promos. It, well, what really gets me on this goes back to you know, how I'm always complaining about that we are no longer in awe of these superstars and the people that you know fans are really gravitating towards are people that they think they can be. So to me, this is WWE's. This is another way of WWE reaching out and saying, "Hey, our superstars, you're just like them." You know, we got, we got a bunch of the guys we run with in our wrestling circle over in the pro wrestling uh, podcast, for the Reflections Group. That's all they do is go over there and cut promos on each other. You know, Gucci's cut promos every day on his phone. And now we go into Monday Night Raw, and, and they're doing that, you know? Talking about the, Gooch. The, Did you see Gooch was put, putting over Lars Sullivan as a monster in the Hami Media discussion group the other day? Because they were talking about this whole Meltzer bullshit. And... Uh, it was like a monster. Dude, he's six foot three. That's how small the guys are in NXT. Hey. It's a guy that's six foot three looks like a fucking monster. <laughs> hey, it, 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 it's about presentation. You know how you present yeah. yourself. Yeah. Camera angles, man. Camera well, angles. There, and you know what? It's, it's going to be one of those things. You better sell him as a real freaking badass because when he does make that move away from NXT and he goes to the red and blue. He's and Seth Rollins' size. <laughs> Right. <laughs> you, you got this big monster and he's supposed to go in there and like tear apart Nakamura. Nakamura's like, dude, you come up to my nipples. Speaking of guys about the size of uh, Lars Sullivan, the Miz has re-signed a four-year contract extension. Thank Christ for that. Um, oh, we, we still kind of jumped. Did you, we're going to talk about that match. Oh, okay. We're getting at that. All right. I'm sorry. <coughs> yeah, we'll talk get about there. The we'll get there. Uh, uh, yeah, so Miz signs a four-year contract extension uh, and takes on Apollo Crews on this show to qualify for the Elimination Chamber. Apollo Crews. Really? Apollo Crews. That's Miz took on Apollo Crews to qualify who would you for put the in, Elimination Chamber. Who would you put in a spot then? Do, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But I'm pretty well, sure. I'm pretty sure that if I looked at the roster – I could come up with somebody who has a better win-loss record and reputation than Apollo Cruz. I'm gonna make a defense out there for, for one Mr. Apollo Cruz. I'm gonna make a, a defense for him and I'm going to make an argument that why he should go over in the second chance fatal four way next week. Oh, for the love uh, of God. I'm I'm dying to hear this. You know, Cruz coming into this thing in the last couple of weeks, you know, Titus Worldwide's been, you know. Get, picking up a little steam. They've been stealing some victories. You know, they've got two pins over the, the tag team champs, two incredible competitors, you know, and even in singles in their own right, in Sheamus and Cesaro. They stole those two victories from them. There's, those are two big wins he's got going on here. So, you know, going into this match, you're thinking, man, maybe he gets another fluke win. Maybe he gets that opportunity to 
to go on to the to the elimination chamber where he can just you don't think he's going to win the match, but it's one of those cases of where let's say I, I can't remember how many years ago it was, but um, Santino had to go in last minute and fill one of those spots, and he went out there and he given the opportunity, he was able to shine and became you know kind of the unsung star of that match. So we all know Roman Reigns is winning this match. Oh yeah, elimination chamber. We all know this. So uh, why not put someone in there like Cruz who ends up entering that match early on, but you let him shine. You give him the opportunity to do something on that stage. I don't think you're going to argue with me. The guy is a tremendous talent. He just needs an opportunity to shine. Uh, what he needs is a personality. That's what he needs. Well, um, here's a, so you got personality with Titus with him. Now you need to go out there and reconfirm to everyone that this son of a bitch can go inside that ring. Give him a stage like Elimination Chamber to go in there and get some spots to make a dominant run for five, ten minutes in there, and then he's out. But people are going to be thinking, damn, he, you know, he did a great job. You know, Maybe we, they should be refocusing, and maybe us fans should start reinvesting in him. Um, I'm, I'm not a fan of Titus Worldwide. I'm not a fan of Titus as a manager, but that's a completely different conversation. Uh, names I would have thrown in there other than Apollo Crews. Uh, Seth Rollins. I, we were just talking about Seth and why he should have been in the chamber. Uh, I, I, I would have thrown our truth in there. Our truth is injured. What's what's going on with our truth? I was uh, wondering where he was. Just had, just had a surgery. Oh, I was wondering where he was. Uh, I would have thrown Rhino in there. I would have. Are thrown, you talking? You're talking about guys that haven't done anything. Yeah, but at least Rhino has a little bit more reputation as a badass than Apollo Cruz. Um, let's see other names I could have thrown in there. Uh, I would have thrown Carl Anderson in there, but you know, that's just me. Um, he's Slater gold dust. Gold dust was gearing up for the mixed match challenge, man. He had other, he has more that, important that, things that, going that's on. That's on Tuesday. Uh, I know he's gearing up for it. He needs it for a the, week in his old age. Then the one, the one that I absolutely, if you were asking me who would I have put in there instead of Apollo Cruz, Kurt Hawkins. Kurt Hawkins needs to be on TV losing more. I, I, I wouldn't mind Hawkins in one of these qualifiers. I just think it wouldn't, it shouldn't be against a Miz. You would have to reshuffle your deck here. I just, I can't believe the roster is that thin. You know, like when, when you really start looking at it, that, that, that was pretty much your options. Uh, of, of all of them, Kurt Hawkins would have been my choice. Hey, those are your options. Now, going back, you've got two of these matches. So you're taking up 12 of your talents. Think about how bad this undercard's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so then you get the aforementioned uh, Cena and Strowman and Elias match. Um, did you like this as a main event? You know what? I actually I enjoyed this match. It actually had a big match feel to it. Earlier in the show, I kind of knocked that this was uh, a triple threat to let the winner go in last into the chamber. Yeah, I, hated I, that I, part. I wasn't. I wasn't so big. I'm still not that big on giving away, you know, that surprise for that match. If you're, you're one, if you're one of the six guys in the other qualifying matches, in, in qualifying matches four, five, and six, aren't you pissed off that you didn't even have an opportunity to go in last? Like it just oh, yeah. it doesn't from, from make that, any sense to well, me. From that from that standpoint, yes, I, I, I you know. If we're looking at this in a kayfabe way, like, well, this is like, if I'm Miz. Yeah. Like what the fuck? I don't even get the opportunity because simply because my match was scheduled after these guys is really Miz or Roman Reigns or, you know, whoever's going to eventually win this second chance thing. I'm kind of pissed. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I, you know, I, I'm upset about this, but I think adding the stipulation gave it more of an important feel. If it was just a triple threat, just to try to get bragging rights going in, I, I don't think we would have been that invested. Oh, I completely agree. Completely agree. Uh, now going now going into this thing, I think the uh, the right guy went over. Agreed. It helps all parties involved. Yep. It it elevates Elias a little bit. It keeps Cena going on that direction of man. I'm, I'm just trying to make it to WrestleMania. Uh, and you add now Braun's even more pissed off. He's had one more opportunity, kind of just taken it out from under him. The only thing I really didn't like about this match was Strowman just really hamming it up. Uh, we know he's a baby now. People are cheering him. But the way he was hamming it up and pandering to the crowd and that I think Elias took too much of an ass whooping after this match. I'm sticking with my theory regarding John Cena. I think he was uh, the focal point in this match. And I think Braun Strowman was told, make sure that you pander to the crowd and pander to the crowd a lot. I mean, it was because Cena was not. And I think that's what you were supposed to notice. I'll agree with you 100%. You know, this is the most crowd interaction we've got from Braun up to this point. I mean, he was damn near going for the Hawkamania, you know, hand to the ear, uh, asking if they wanted more. And Cena wasn't doing none of it. I agree with you, but I I think I I get that they're trying to take the attention off of Cena, who's usually in that spot. He wasn't doing any of that. He was focused on the match. But I don't know. I think it really really hurt the Braun character. Oh, I I completely agree. I completely agree. But I, I, I feel like there is a much bigger story going on here with John Cena. Uh, then I, I really think after stealing the victory that Elias should freaking got the hell out of there. Yep. He should have took Just powder. bolt. Just yep. bolt. Drift the fuck away. Yep. Uh, one other note that I wanted to touch on coming out of Raw in Des Moines, Iowa, because, you know, I had stooges at the show. We like to call this segment Undertaker Watch 34. So, Rick, get this. Guess what they're selling at the merch stand? New Undertaker merch. Available now. Hmm. New Undertaker merch. Couple months before Mania. Interesting. More information as it happens on Undertaker Watch 34. So, Rick, what do you think? Anything else that you wanted to comment on when it comes to the red brand today? Wait, just before we kick it the break here, I just had uh, just thought popped in my mind. You know, we were talking about if you're the three uh, participants in the chamber who weren't given an opportunity to take place in this triple threat, see who enters six. Do you think, you know, next week we're obviously getting 
that four, that last member in the in the four way second chance four way. Do you think in two weeks those other three have a triple threat to determine where whoever gets pinned goes in first? I would say yes, but I don't think that who I think whoever the final person to qualify out of this fatal four way should be the first person in the chamber. And then I would say that you would have the other two superstars face off to figure out who is going to be the fifth person in the chamber. But I think the last thing we need is another Miz versus Roman match. Well, and not even that, then you start giving away too many. You're you're taking the the element of surprise out of the chamber, which is, you know, when you get the flashy, who's it going to be? Yeah. But I would do whoever wins the fatal four way first person in. Congratulations, yeah, I mean, you, you're, you're still getting in the chamber, but you lost your first match, so you're going in first. Seems logical. I wouldn't mind that stipulation. And, and, you know, going in, you know, I made my point for Cruz there, and, and I, I'm going to be rooting for him to actually to, to do this thing. I want him to have that opportunity. But come on, in all logic, we're, we're it's all going to be Balor, because, right? It's Finn's Balor's moment. And with your stipulation of, okay, you know, and, and Kirk could drop this on those guys. Be like, you know what? This is your second chance. But whoever wins this thing is going to have to go in first. It plays to that just you know just amazing run that Finn had in the Rumble. Yep, yep. Start start putting Finn basically as the marathon man, the guy who well, can be in a match for an hour. You know, hey, you unfortunately know, there, there he that, ends up losing. There was that, that that huge rumor out there that they're they're fixing to position him into that that new Dolph Ziggler role, and uh, that it seems like. That's the blueprint for it right there. Oh, Dolph Ziggler. Yeah. We're, we're, we're going to talk about him in segment two. Oh, yeah. We're going to give Dolph Ziggler all the attention that he rightfully deserves because the WWE obviously isn't. We'll be right back. Serious. Motherfucker. Every shady motherfucker living a holler real We can see beyond the untrained eye Like infrared, we identify the ones who lie It's when you cross that line and attack my pride Cause your fake ass can handle being pushed aside It's no joyride, you don't comply Your only reply is to show me how you can die Back in the day, we never betrayed The consequential potential of an ass whooping display Respect the facts, we can bring it all back When in fact, we're not against full body contact No slack, the moral to the story is the Try to hide your face even though you're nameless, bitch! Yeah, you 
know that I'm famous. I'm hired by the mob, cause kill's my job. My fist is like a rifle and it's about to go off. You pussy bug, bitch, we all know that you're soft. I'm aimlessly fucking around down, down in P-Town. Running games on your clowns and that's not fucking around. So let me hit you back with this chorus one time. You're about to lose your mind. We got what you need, we got what you need. A good old-fashioned ass but I got your remedy. We got what you need, we got what you need. <laughs> We got what you need, we got what you need A good old fashioned ass whooping, I got your remedy We got what you need, we got what you need One way or the other, we're gonna find you We're gonna get you, get you, get you, get you One way or the other, we're gonna find you We're gonna get you, get you Transactions of disrespect and neglect The fact you're not willing to ever represent The curse is you with no clue makes you living proof That you never got the shit kicked out of you Have no fear cause the dead mob's here To clean up the fake and make all the real appear With the good old fashioned ass whooping for sick sake What's it gonna take? Make a motherfucker cooperate I got the perfect remedy It's no secret recipe Just to go far to set you free So let me be me and express my deepest sympathies Like this, like this We don't give a fuck about you in the tough guys The ones that falsify the haters that lose their minds And we don't give a fuck about your punk bitch attitudes With shit talking band dudes We got the solution for you To the ones that stand tall, out proud, fist balls Ready to take on the planet, solar systems and all Represent a heartbeat, not a pulse that retreats Keep it real and take it to the highest peak In no time for your reality shows In no time for holding your hand, bro I'm six cents and I'm fucking your bitch You better shut your ass up before the claw gets pissed We got what you need, we got what you need A good old-fashioned ass whooping, I got your remedy We got what you need, we got what you need Kid McGurk playing with the dirt We got what you need, we got what you need A good old-fashioned ass whooping, I got your remedy We got what you need, we got what you need We the last thing standing in 2012 Contract killing Begins now Get some. So we're back. Let's jump into SmackDown Live. Coming to us out of uh, Kansas City, Missouri. Or Misery, as we like to call it here in Iowa. What'd you think, Rick? This this was uh, one of the better efforts out of the blue brand in, in recent weeks, I thought. Uh, yeah. You know, again, uh, it wasn't a bad show. I, I wasn't disappointed in it. Uh, you know, I think they, they might have just... Miss the mark again. I think I've dropped that about a half dozen times so far, but you know, it just it just holds true through you know through Monday and Tuesday with the with the red and blue brands. But hey, you came into this show, man. We had two really big matches hyped up. Uh, it it had a big show feel to it going in. You know, you got a number one contenders main event, and of course the the U.S. championship was on the line. Yeah, I I still feel like SmackDown is this damn black hole, though, because as soon as the show opens, we get Shane McMahon in the ring. He calls out Brian and then out comes AJ. And it's just like, God damn it. Here we go again. No matter what they advertise in your you can get hyped for this direction they're going in. But it all comes back to the centerpiece of SmackDown Live. And it's what's going on in the the little grab dick struggle that we've got just has been teased between Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon. And 
it's been it's been mounting for months now, but it's not going in any direction, so it's hard to get invested in it. So what did you take out of the Shane and Brian back and forth in the ring? Was this the equivalency of a WWE cock tease? Where they're where they're they're teasing the return of Brian, the imminent return? Or was this just something that they kind of threw together to get through the segment and prove a point. You know, I know there's a lot of buzz, you know, in each direction, you know, from the fans out there saying, you know, I, I'm taking it. I thought they were going to announce his return. Did it you say, really is, felt like that, didn't it? Is is this the tease? What's going on here? Again, to me, this is they're throwing a bunch of ideas out there. They're they're throwing a bunch of shit against the wall trying to see what's sticking the best, where they're going. I don't think they really know where they're going here. I had trouble getting into this because, man, what really killed the vibe for me was Shane doing his best to pretend he was not trying to get over-emotional. Yeah, that that was a bit much when he – this is emotional for me. And I was like, Really? Really? Because it, it, it seems to me like you just kind of forgot where you were in your promo and you well, had to find yourself there. He, he went around a few times, you know, and he was trying to do that. You could tell when, you know, that overdramatic where, you know, of kids, you, you've got a, a little one. And when she starts doing a, that little huffy thing, you know, where yep. she's trying to tell you that she's holding back the cry so you'll pay the attention to her. Shane would be a terrible poker player because he always has this tell when he kind of starts losing himself where he's at in his promo. He takes a deep breath and he wipes his eyebrow. There we go. See, and that that threw it off with them trying to go over the top drama with him. And I, again, I, I didn't feel like they're they're just throwing things out there. There is no direction. So we're kicking off the show and I'm already kind of tuning out. I, I, I was right there with you. Um, there was a couple of things in, in the promo that I did like, um, number one was Shane actually acknowledging the Rusev chant, the the duly noted. I thought that was great. As in, you know, segment one, we were talking about these hot crowds and the crowds got me to pop a few times over these, these two episodes. This was one of them. You know, how incredible is this? You know, WDShop.com, what did they order? It was like 2,500 Rusev Day calendars. Number one, gone. They've already got another order in for 5,000 of these things. Yeah. And I know we're going to dive into this into this a little bit later, and it's been a, it's a pet peeve of yours, and I'm sure you're going to want to rip into, you know, how they're actually handling this right now. Uh, I Then I also turned around, and I popped for Brian – when, when he brought up the uh, the raise thing and then he gets the yes chant and he says, I hope that was also duly noted. Those those raw moments of improv suck me in. They absolutely suck me because it didn't feel scripted. And then Shane composes himself and goes back to his script. You know, and it's just like, damn it, you are so close. Yeah, you, you are so close. You go close. from a moment where you're on the verge of real emotion and then they just pull it all back. Yep. And then I did perk up when Shane said the line, Brian, I know that more than anything, you want to compete in this ring. And boy, did my eyes go to the screen real fast when that came out of his mouth. And the thing that sold it for me was Brian's reaction. 
And then Brian turning around, what is it that I'm doing? And it's like, well, well, Brian seemed kind of heelish there. Well, he was supposed to because he was pissed off. How dare you throw that in my face? How dare you? And you know what? And that's what got going back to one of the hot programs that we never even got a payoff from, but people were, you know, overly buying into and just absolutely love is when Miz, you know, back when, when SmackDown Live, when the brand split originally happened, you know, the hottest thing going was Miz continually rubbing it in Brian's face, knowing that, hey, man, you can't do anything about this. That's still the mania match to me. I want Brian and Miz. That's the match I want to see. Uh, then my other favorite part of this promo was AJ Styles coming out and saying basically what I have felt for weeks. All right, now everybody sit down and shut the fuck up. You're a pain in my ass. You're a pain in my ass. And this entire thing would be a hell of a lot better if you just kept your goddamn noses out of it. That was basically the AJ Styles promo. He worded it a little bit better than that. But that was pretty much what I took from the AJ Styles promo. And pretty Love much that. What, pretty much what so much of us have been you know, screaming for months now. And then AJ goes and fucks it all up at the end of the show. But we'll get to that. Uh, so I guess let's talk about the SmackDown Live women's division, which is basically your precious Sharshar and everybody else. Uh, so evidently... Yeah, that's the way that it should be. You know, she is the superior... Hey, I, I'm not going to disagree with you on that point. With maybe the exception of Becky Lynch, but we can't get there right now because they're both babyface. But that's a that we'll we'll talk about Becky here in a few minutes too. Liv Morgan takes on Charlotte on this show. I finally got after the match what in the hell the purpose of this was. Charlotte's going to try to take out the Riot Squad one by one until we end up with Ruby Riot versus Charlotte at Fastlane. That's what's going on here. That's what I would we have. I would have really appreciated a promo or something from Charlotte earlier in the show where she says, "Last week, the Riot Squad took me out 3 on 1. Tonight, I'm taking out Liv Morgan. Next week, I'm coming for Sarah Logan, and eventually, I'm coming for you, Ruby." Then I would have actually understood what was going on here. But instead, well, yeah, but as this it, whole match is going on, I'm going, why in the hell is Liv Morgan in the ring with Charlotte? So it, so when the commentary team was constantly putting over, the rumor is that Charlotte asked for this match. Yeah, totally that, that was, never clicked for me. Never uh, yeah, clicked. They, I mean, that, they did. They, they bickered back and forth about it. They, well, you probably got kind of lost in it because they were, it was between Saxton and Graves' usual bickering. So you probably just subconsciously tuned it out. That that uh, very well could be what happened. Well, you know what? Or, I mean, at least show me, like, the video footage of the Riot Squad beating her down, like, right before the match. So you're like, oh, yeah, this is Charlotte coming for revenge. Because the whole time, I was literally just thinking to myself, what business does Liv Morgan have in a ring with Charlotte Flair? Like well, on no plane of existence, well, non-title you know, or not. I took from this thing, and, you know, we brought this, we bring this up continually. They just brought her up because they needed to fill spots, and they didn't have anything to do with her in NXT. Yep. So she was brought into spot. She is completely exposed week after week. She is not ready to be in this position. 
she wasn't she wasn't ready for any kind of featured spot within NXT, which is you know still somewhat considered your development program. You know she's she's a B she's an NXT B tour talent. Yeah, and now you've got her wrestling spotlight matches on one of your featured programs for the entire company. I think there's a future with her. You know, she's got a great look, but they need to. She needs to really work on the character. She needs to work on her work inside the ring. The uh, there's best so thing that, much that she needs to do. The she best thing I see out of Liv Morgan is she looks great getting thrown around the ring. Like she she can position herself so that as Charlotte is throwing her, she makes it look good. I don't know if it's the hair, if it's the way that she positions her legs, what the hell it is, but she looks great getting thrown around the ring. I'm not sure she can do anything in the ring other than get thrown around it, but she looks great getting thrown around it. It it comes down to this and anything else is not important enough as opposed to what is going on with Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan to actually give it time to drop in a promo, like you said. I mean, it would it could have taken 30 seconds to show footage of Charlotte demanding this match. Uh, you know, just and even yeah, and they did put it over in commentary, but I'm sorry. Those two, you got hipster Cole and just, you know, Saxon is just, you know, just your stereotypical doofus over there. Uh, Mr. Happy-go-lucky, just glad to be there, everything for the babies. And they're bickering. They Even if they mention it, it's not selling the importance of how much Charlotte wants to take these three out. Yeah, and it didn't knows, feel personal at all. Well, and then they were kind of uh, contradicting themselves because Graves kept going back. Well, she's cra- she, she could be a fighting champ all she wants, but she's crazy if she thinks that one woman can beat three. Well, yeah, Graves, that's the freaking point here. She's challenging them all one by one to single to eliminate them each individually instead of trying to go at them one on three. This is a systematic elimination, man. How, how I don't you understand that? Yeah. You're and, just trying to be the, there with have a, a counterpoint to what the freaking Saxon's saying. Yeah. And you know what it took for me to finally get that story was after the match when Charlotte goes, that's one. And I was like, oh, now I get it. Okay. Have Charlotte cut cut whatever kind of promo. You could have done this in 30, 45 seconds, but let her show you know, that passion why she wants to do this here. Yeah, I mean, they've been beaten. They've beaten Charlotte down before. Like, it, it just it never clicked to me that that's what was going on here. They've got, they've got to do something better in their presentation because that never clicked to me until after the fact. Um, then let's move on to the tag division. We have the bludgeon brothers versus jobbers still like, can we get these guys in a real match already? I I understand they can beat up local talent. That's great. We've been doing this for what? Two months now that they've been beating up local talent. Can we, can we get them in a real match? I mean, I know that they've done the Ascension and they've done Breezango, but I mean, come on. They're basically enhancement talents at this point, too. Well, at this point, because you are spread so thin with with your tag team talent on SmackDown. I mean, who else? I mean, besides just beating uh, Benjamin and Gable, what else do they have for an actual challenger right now besides just taking them from squash matches to the Usos? 
which it seems that's the direction they're going. Because what the last two weeks, uh, their segments have gone back to back, and they just seemingly pass each other on the ramp. Like, okay, it's your turn. Let me step out of the way now. Yep. But we'll tease us in passing right now. The Bludgeon Brothers, they bludgeon people, but not the Usos. We're waiting for the right time before we attack the Usos. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's like, what, what the fuck, man? I mean, what's the logic be if you're just, you know, just untamed killers like that? What you just randomly, uh, especially if you're walking by the top dogs in your yard, attack them, especially when they're just out there cutting a promo about how it's their penitentiary and everyone's right. going to play into their games. Yeah, it just it it's totally missing the mark for me. Completely missing the mark. You know, I was thinking about the other day with the Bludgeon Brothers. Uh, going back, you remember in Southpaw, they had a brief. It was in the season two of Southpaw stuff. Uh, the Butchers, it was Seth Rollins and Rhino. Yeah. I was, at first I started thinking, like, I wonder if, like, the Butchers actually, like, spawned off into the Bludgeon Brothers, or, and then it actually, would the Butcher gimmick actually be cooler than what we're getting here with the Bludgeon Brothers? Well, and here's the other thing that I just, I, I didn't like about this segment. When the Usos walk past them, Harper reaches out and, like, holds back Rowan. And so it's like, okay, immediately in my mind, I define Harper as the alpha, which I don't think that you want that dynamic inside of a legit tag team where there's already, this guy's the alpha. It's like the best team that you guys have beaten so far is Breezango. And I already know when you guys break up, that guy's the alpha. I'm not sure that's the message that you want to send. You mentioned the Usos promo. The only thing that was good about this entire thing for me was the fact that we didn't have the jail cell slamming again. Yeah, I don't think it was a bad promo. These guys have been great on the mic, you know. Yeah. Okay. Did you let think me, it was, let me rephrase? Hold on, no, but it's the same shtick over and over well, and over. It's every Usos promo I've ever heard. One thing I thought was kind of funny. You think they're getting a little heat with this Uso penitentiary thing from? Maybe some people pushing the PC thing because it seemed like they really went overboard to explain, hey, man, we're not talking about like real criminal activity, like, you know, getting raped in the shower or something like that. You know, this is like a state of mind thing. I think the Uso penitentiary is a rib on the Usos for both of them getting their asses locked up for drunk driving. Well, no, they've been doing this penitentiary thing before that. Well, dude, I think their DUI record goes back about two years. No, just the one has the previous. J- Jay just got his, or Jimmy just got whatever. Whoever just got theirs, one of just recently was in trouble. That was his first. So they've been doing it. It just seems back. like they've, they've really been pushing it here. I actually well, like them explaining it. Have, now that they actually have the criminal records, maybe that's the reason they explained this, to, I, to make sure that people knew the difference between convict, the guys that went and had their mug shots taken, uh, opposed to the guys we're seeing on television. I, I actually like them explaining the Uso penitentiary. I actually enjoy that because it seems like, you know, oh, there is a rhyme and a reason to this entire thing. I didn't mind to, it at all. You know, I, it was, I was just curious if there was some sort of PC backlash there. And now that you mentioned it with the, you know, with the arrest records, maybe that's it. That's, that's kind of what I just assumed, but because we know that the, the twisted mind that is the WWE creative team. I mean, Vince McMahon's um, out of the Usos. And we have stellar Nebula versus the Ascension at any point. Oh, hold on. We actually have a name for your team now. Oh, do we? I guess I totally missed that. 
And you have been like a cruise control here. Well, no, here's uh, what happens, man. I watch this shit at work, right? And when I watch it at work, I'm number one, I'm half paying attention to it because, well, I'm working. And number two, it is so loud in that room. Well, here we, here we go. Uh, they come in, you know, they, they cut their promo where they're talking, you know, they pretty much run those guys down for being jokes. So they don't belong in their division. Uh, and now Gable and Benjamin, their goal is to fix the division, to get rid of the riffraff. So as they're going through, uh, they, at the very end of it, they have apparently dubbed themselves Tag Team of Mass Destruction, uh, playoff of Weapons of Mass Destruction. So they're going back to uh, a term, hell, that you know, that's, what, almost a decade old? I'm not even going to touch this one. I'm just going to leave this for Ben Hameen and the conspiracy horsemen because I'm sure that there is going to be a rant about weapons of mass destruction coming out of uh, the Ayatollah himself. Yeah. So yeah. I think I'll stick with stellar nebula. I think yeah, I'll just, stick with that. I just don't even know who pitches that tag who approves team it. of mass destruction. Yeah. You're going with a decade old dated reference. And there's nothing about them that says mass destruction. I mean, I, I think those two guys put together might weigh as much as Otis from Heavy Machinery. Well, you know, my my main issue with this entire direction they're going in is they move things so fast. You know, we we're not even getting that the opportunity for that burn to rebuild this tag team who just last week. I'm sorry. They got bearish. You know, they lost two straight falls at the Royal Rumble to the tag team champs. So now they're they're going to the bottom of the well to fix the, fix the division. You know, give me a couple weeks to readjust, let these guys get resettled into their own skin before just jumping right away into the next program. You say, what should the Usos be doing? The answer is Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Uh, that's that's the match that I want to see going into WrestleMania. That's a program I want to see. I'm not interested in any sort of dissension between best friends. I want Sammy and Kevin Owens to get the hell away from Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan. Yep. And then let AJ and Nakamura focus on their program and let Shane and Bryan just be the authority figures that are out of sight and out of mind. Because that... that entire program especially if there's not going to be a payoff is just too much just too much you have a two-hour show you move forward into wrestlemania season with focusing on the authority the, figures the, well no what they should be doing yes that's going to be the complete focus everything's going to be secondary because that's the way that they've been booking this thing for a better part of a year but they how they should be doing this is you should be focusing on the WWE championship match. Whoever is in your U S picture, whoever's in your tag picture, whoever is in your women's, those are your four main programs for your two hour show. That is cake. That is easy. And then you've got some other great talents to just kind of sprinkle in through there. Yep. How is that that hard? How is that that hard? Let's talk about the U.S. title picture. On this show, we had Bobby Roode versus Rusev, probably the match I was most looking forward to. Um, and, and 
if you are watching SmackDown for the very first time, which one of these guys do you think would be the baby face and which one do you think would be the heel? Off of that crowd response. Well, I I mean, come on. I'm glad you, you clarified that with the crowd response because, man, from a creative standpoint, they were doing everything they could. Uh, you know, sending English out there. And it would talk about a backfire, you know, to go out there and completely rip on the, city. on the crowd like mad. And they're loving it. And they're eating it up. They were just waiting to explode for the for the yep. announcement of Rusev making his entrance. And I almost feel bad for Rusev because he's trying to play this heel character. But how can he not acknowledge that? I mean, come on. They're screaming Rusev Day. Screaming here's, it. here's an issue. You you do have a guy with tremendous character. He can get out there. He can be a money machine for you right now. You want to move some merch? You slap Rusev on anything. You're moving that right now. You got him working as the heel. Over on the other side, you're a good guy by nature throughout his entire career. Just not in NXT when you had him in that role. Go back to what he was doing with TNA, Impact Wrestling. Man, the guy was one of the hottest heels around the world. Yeah. And you guys, you got these, you got him in the wrong roles here. Yeah. And, and it's so completely polar opposite backwards. And it's so incredibly obvious. It's like, seriously, what, what what's it going to take for you to pull the picture? This, this Rusev Day thing has been going on now for, what, since November? And here we are in February, and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And bigger. I mean, you thought I was nuts when I jumped on this bandwagon. Hell, Jinder Mahal was still champion when this shit started. And the movement is running. You know, just real funny. Speaking of Jinder, man, uh, you talk about just dropping off. Yeah, the where the face fuck is Jinder earth. Mahal? Where's Jinder Mahal? Uh, but but anyway, I mean, they have to see this, and maybe they're waiting. It this seemed like this would have been the perfect spot. For a double turn here, is you, should, they, should should there be a fear that they hold back on Rusev to the point where it turns on them, where they're like, "Ah, oh, man, now they wanted us to do it." You know that that is that is something that they have to look at in today's uh, atmosphere with the professional wrestling fans. Is man, we really like that organic feel of things, and yeah. when as soon as we feel that it has become under their control. We turn on it, man. Yep. We're done with it. Yep. Once once Rusev, they start really focusing on it, and he becomes a corporate creation, we're done with it. So we have a pretty good match, actually, between Bobby Roode and Rusev. I was very much enjoying this match. And then that Weasley Randy Orton just slithers his way into the ring. And RKO's rude, and RKO's English, and RKO's Rusev, because Randy Orton is mad that he was number nine on the SmackDown top ten list. That's what Orton's mad about. Are we talking about that list? Are we going to talk about that there? Well, th- that's this no is where I was okay, going to talk. We're going to include it here because I thought maybe we we're going to do this. Um, do you uh, have the, the list? The- I don't have it in front of me, and I, 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 I don't remember. either. I'll I remember. I remember most of it, but I don't even get the point of this thing. I don't it's either. Voted on. It's voted on by the superstars themselves. Uh, what 
influence does this have in in making matches? And to me, all this really does is this is a one of those classic forms of lowest common denominator booking where, hey, we can't come up with a compelling story why people should feud or be mad at each other. So what does heaven be pissed off about this list that we're throwing together? Well, here's my issue with the list. I have the list now in front of me. Here was my biggest issue with the list. Why do we have women and tag teams included in the list? Shouldn't that either be a, a completely separate list or B, should we just not be doing this whatsoever? I'm going with, with what you not doing this whatsoever. I don't see the point behind it. It's I, is it really going to generate interest? It, it's going back. It's lazy booking. They're going to get people are going to be mad. Hey, look at the list too. There's it's all babies. Well, if you want to talk about lazy booking, here is the laziest booking of them all. Number ten on the list, Ty Dillinger. It's cheap pop. Uh, the guy hasn't won a match. I mean, if that's not the cheapest booking around, just putting Ty Dillinger at ten because he's the perfect 10 is almost as bad as him coming into the rumble at number 10, two years in a row. I'd say, you know, the first time it works great. Yeah. But the second time it was just like, I, it was eye rolling. It was literally eye rolling. And then to go back to it here for their first top 10, he's Mr. 10. He's 10. Yeah. I mean, come on. Uh, that see, I even I go right when it happened. I kind of that's what I thought. I was kind of like, oh, that's cheesy. Yep. But even going into this thing, I, I don't get the point of it. it. It's it's not voted on by fans. No, so, it's voted on by the talent. Yeah. So it's not. So if it's not voted on by fans, why are we supposed to like get over interested? I mean, is this supposed to be like the college football rankings where we're all arguing because there's no payoffs here for any of these things? Uh, I don't, I don't get the point of it. And I, I, I'm going to say post WrestleMania, this thing goes away. Well, isn't that typically what happens with these stupid lists? I mean, even going back to the days of freaking Watts, when Watts would try to do this and hang around for about six weeks and then it would disappear because when you're controlling wins and losses and who you push and who you don't, a top well, and, 10 list just makes no sense. And, you know, the comment, commentary team was trying to put over, like, oh, the Usos should be, you know, they're going to be furious that New Jay was, is ranked ahead of them. Why? Or, you know, that, or even that Naomi is ranked higher than, than they are. Uh, and then you look at some of these things, it's kind of like... And Charlotte pays lip service to the fact that she wants to overtake AJ Styles as number one on the uh, top 10 list, but she can't cut a promo putting over why she's fighting Liv Morgan. This is one of those other things that were they're, they're paying attention to in the wrong direction. You know, it's just like this mix, mix match challenge shit. It takes them away from their actual storylines. It's taken away from their actual characters and it's hurting the overall product. I don't see this thing going anywhere. So Randy Orton RKO's everybody because he's number nine on the list. So they actually did put that over because I guess I missed that. Well, backstage, there was a, a brief little deal with Orton where he was very irritated that he was number nine on the list. And now this is voted on by the locker room, right? So I mean, his that solution. Seems like, that seems so like out of place for me that, that Orton would even care about that. Right. 
And his solution to getting more votes is to go out to the ring and RKO everybody. So you either vote for me or you get an RKO. That's the message that's going on here. Yeah. So like, so is he going to just start taking out everyone? You know, Rusev wasn't higher than him on the list. Rusev's not even on the list. There's no heels on the list. Uh, so just, is so is next week. Is he going to run out and drop an RKO on Charlotte and Naomi because they're higher on this list? I'd pay nine hundred and ninety nine yen for that. Uh, it just it, it, the the whole logic here, man. It's lowest combinator booking. Man, it, it's just terrible. I kind of want to see Charlotte versus Randy Orton now. She'd kick his ass. I kind of want to see that match. I kind of want to see that match. Uh, speaking of people who need their asses kicked. Dolph Ziggler is back and he's taking on Baron Corbin next week on SmackDown. That's how much lip service they have paid to Dolph Ziggler's return. Just passing comment. Dolph Ziggler's back and he's taking on Baron Corbin next week. Well, and we haven't gotten anything uh, about this story where he walks out, uh, what a month and a half ago. Yeah. He lays down uh, the U S title walks out reappears number 30 in the rumble gets thrown out with absolutely like no fanfare. Well, he comes out, he comes out to crickets, the same look, the same music, the same terrible gimmick botches a spot. Uh, they make hardly any acknowledgement that, you know, that he walked out even on his way to the ring there. Uh, then in uh, the blink of an eye, he's gone. Then we get nothing on the follow-up episode and really nothing here except what a graphic. Yeah, no promo, nothing. It's just like what, what? I don't, I, I don't get it. Did something go terribly wrong here? I, you know, maybe they're, maybe they're just they're dumping it. Did, now, did you see the story where he did sign a new deal with them? Uh, but it is, I wouldn't be expecting much from Dolph going forward. It's pretty much, hey man, we're gonna bring you in as a now a an over the top enhancement where. I'm trying to remember the, the details in this thing. Like he's going to a limited schedule. He doesn't have to, uh, he doesn't have to be there at the, like the two o'clock start time. He's about to leave after his match. What the fuck? It, it's something crazy like that. Huh? That's interesting. Stay tuned for that on a and notes edition. I'm sure. So the only other thing on SmackDown Live was the Cammy match. Kevin Owens taking on Sami Zayn for the 874 millionth time. These guys can fight forever, man. I mean, they, they can fight forever. But of course, we end up getting the swerve with AJ getting the DQ. And now we're going to get another... Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, AJ Styles match. Except this time, it's going to be a triple threat for the WWE Championship. AJ Styles is going to win that match because Shinsuke Nakamura is going to beat him at WrestleMania. I'm pretty sure that's all we're going to hear out of Shinsuke for the next, like, three months. I'm going to beat you at WrestleMania. Which I'm fine with. You know, no reason with, you know, having the guy that has won your rumble and is challenging for, you know, the Shinsuke's top got nothing to gain at this point, you know, 
Why, why, if I'm Shinsuke, I, unless somebody comes and picks a fight with me, I don't even feel the need to wrestle. I'm guaranteed oh, the know, championship but, match but, at WrestleMania. No, but I'm saying, you know, there's no you probably there's no reason that you should probably, you know, highlight and, you know, reconfirm to the fans, you know, the ones that you pretty much convinced they should turn on him all these months. There's no reason that you should maybe do some packages about why he's the king of strong style or, or highlight him through your program. No, that that's, that's you remember. Do you remember back in the day when Jim Ross would do sit down interviews with people? I mean, you know, there was this guy, his name was Mick Foley. That's how he got over. I want to see Jr. sit down with Shinsuke Nakamura and just conduct an interview. Uh, one of, you know, one of the best in that, in that formula you're talking about, one of the best that immediately comes to the front of my memory is going back to ECW. They would take an entire episode and they would just radically, you know, pepper in uh, an in-depth get to know Terry Funk. Yep. So that you were really buying into him heading into, you know, his return to ECW in a main event for their championship. And by the end of that episode, I mean, you're, you're almost in tears. I mean, you, you know, he's your uncle there. You know, you're so in love with him. You're backing him. You're connected to him. Yeah. You're invested. You're ready to go. Uh, they need to do something like that here with Nakamura. But first things first, we have to get Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn away from this goddamn program. I just, well, I, 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 I want to build to WrestleMania. This is what is becomes, this is what is, makes it rather difficult this time of year. We should be really excited about the road to WrestleMania and we should all be buzzing. We should be hyped, ready to go. We cannot wait. The, the countdown is on. But we have these events like Elimination Chamber in Fastlane where they're just stopgaps. And we know what's happening. It's hard to get invested, and we just don't care. What's your favorite WrestleMania? Mm, my favorite of all time, huh? Yeah. Like if you're going to sit down because you want to watch a WrestleMania, what's your favorite WrestleMania? You know, that's it's pretty uh, – I'd have to think about overall, like an entire card. You know, when I think about my favorite WrestleManias, I think about my favorite WrestleMania moments more so. Uh, when I go back to watch past WrestleManias, I mean, it's rare that I'll sit and watch an entire event. I, I will, I, if I want to go sit and watch eight matches, I will jump across eight WrestleManias usually. Okay, well, what's the go-to WrestleMania match? One for me, because I still feel the emotion. It, it was probably the biggest match of my childhood. Or even me being a fan, and it was nothing spectacular, but as a kid, is that ultimate just young Mark that would grow into this old Mark. I go back to Warrior and Hogan. Uh, but I, ultimately, my favorite, or not my favorite, but the best WrestleMania match of all time is, is Hart and Austin. Okay, I want to come out of Hart and Austin because that was 13. My favorite is 14 which was Austin and Michaels. Uh, another great match right there. I just think it was, but here's I would probably, the thing. I mean, that's in, I would put that moment and all that probably in the top five. Here's the thing. And here's why I bring that up. The Tyson and Austin angle was shot live on raw January 19th. And that's what kicked off the build to WrestleMania. January 
19th. Here we are February 7th, and we're building to Elimination Chamber. And we're building well, the fast lane. I was going to say. I want the build to WrestleMania. I need more than a three-week fucking build to the biggest show of the year. And even back then, there was an event in between there. Yeah, there was. But, but it was treated as, hey, man, it truly is just a stop on the road WrestleMania. It's just our yep. final gear up. And they would they would shake things up at that show sometimes. Yep, it was they would keep no you on way your out. Feet, but you knew, you knew coming off, you know, a week or so after that rumble, you knew what was on the marquee for that WrestleMania. Yep. You and knew what you were supposed to, to be excited about. And they built to it for three months, not for three freaking weeks. Another thing you have, you actually had true stars, true characters that stood out back then. I mean, you don't, you don't have that now. It's so crazy to me to think back to WrestleMania 14 and the rumble that was for the build to 14, because in that rumble is where Sean hurts his back. Sean's in a terrible, miserable place, hurt as shit. And for three months builds to that match with Austin, which is incredible. And he's in so much pain going through that match. It's incredible to just even think about how in the world that happened. And then you compare it to 2018 and we're doing three week builds to matches that mean absolutely nothing. But there was so much emotion invested in that. And Tyson just put it over the top. I was having a conversation uh, with Big Ray the other day about, you know, we were talking about how, yeah, it's like we're talking about Monday night. You know, it, it was a solid show. There was good wrestling. But why was it falling flat? What did it do as far as the story as the build to WrestleMania? Well, that's, that's what I'm saying. You know, in my, my opinion, when I'm viewing this thing, I'm not, I'm not someone that's opposed to knowing like the end of a movie. I am someone while I'm watching something, if I can Google it and see what happens, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. To me, it's not the destination. It's about the journey. And what they're, what they're not giving us now, they're not giving us enough excitement on that road to WrestleMania. That, that's the important part to get in there. We all know, yes, the end game here is the Roman agenda. That doesn't mean that you can't put in some, you know, some swerves. You can try to, you know, change our mindset on how he's going, change your direction with him. You need to to spark up what gets us there, and they they haven't done that for years. It, and I, you know, one of the another case here is with individuals involved in this big cluster with SmackDown. They, they're, I think they're convinced that, all right, we, we give them the smarts. We're giving them what they want. They want Nakamura and Styles. They're, they're just going to be happy with this. Man, you could really elevate these guys to another level and come out of this, have mega stars that want to tune in each and every week for this thing. You get really invested in this thing, but I, we both know we're not going to get that. They're going to run them out there for a 20-minute match uh, afterwards. A good majority of the fans are going to shit on it because it's nothing like Wrestle Kingdom quality, where they got forty-five minutes. Yep. And they'll and WWE say, "Well, we get what they wanted." Yep. Now let's move on. Yep. And that's going to be it. Rick, anything else that you wanted to say about WWE programming this week? 
Uh, you know, we, we did. I wanted to go in a little bit more about it. You know, since it did happen on SmackDown, we, we touched on it in the first part of the show. I, I just want to go back to, I, you know what? I enjoyed the idea behind what they did with the New Day here. Yeah. No, I absolutely love that concept. Absolutely love it. I, I'm, I'm hoping that it's something that they keep going with a different talent. Right. I just, I think I'm so over the New Day act, uh, them just being over, you know, just their over the top selves. Uh, yeah. What did you, what did you think about some of the inside jabs? You know, like uh, with the Corey and Booker T thing. Yeah, because there was I, I want to say you know at least two, maybe three times that Big E, you know, made mention of this thing. Yeah, I, I'm 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 curious to uh, know how in the world that came off backstage. You know, like it, it, is there some genuine heat on Corey backstage now? I'm going with. You know, my original point for this whole thing, I it's probably one of those things that has some truth rooted within it, but it's evolved into a work. Yeah. You think it's all just just a rib on Corey at this point? That's kind of yeah, where I'm really, at with it. What really gets me, though, is that Booker, and I know it, it, maybe it's easier. He can just always go back and say, yeah, you know, I was just in character. That's what we do as wrestlers. But, you know, he has ambitions to, to take political office. Yeah. And he's out there on a public platform like, yeah, you know, I wouldn't do it at work. But if I catch you in the street, then I'm going to go freaking thug on you, man. You know, uh, I, I, I love Booker T, but uh, it's always kind of Booker's mouth and his temper that, that kind of gets him in trouble. Uh, you, you remember the, the video where uh, he dropped the N-bomb on Hogan? Oh, yeah. Come I on. Mean, everyone remembers that. You man. know, I mean, that's... Well, there's there's some people listening to this show that may not remember that or may not have been alive when that happened. I, I, I'm going to even say even those that weren't alive, that weren't fans there, somewhere along the line, they've come upon it. If if you haven't seen it, look that up because the the, the immediate look on Booker's face when he realizes it is just priceless. Well, you, you also had his brother there. It's it's Big Stevie there. Or uh, you had Stevie Ray there. Uh, the look on Mean Gene and Sherry's <laughs> face. Everyone was just kind of like, oh, shit. And Booker T's just like, oh, my God, tell me I didn't just say that. <laughs> I wonder if that's where that originated from. It might be. It might be. <laughs> let's move on to uh, let, let's talk a little bit about Ring of Honor. Uh, this excites me because uh, this is a new taping. This is not from Philly. This is from uh, Nashville, Tennessee. This was recorded January 20th. So we've got a little bit more uh, time sensitivity here, and uh, we're, we're getting a little bit more uh, overlap in the narrative and what exactly is going on with New Japan and Bullet Club. But but first, let's, let's kind of run down the show here. You start off with a Dalton Castle promo, which I was not a fan of because it's, once again, comedy Dalton Castle. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm sick of comedy Dalton Castle running around with the Ring of Honor title. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Uh, well, you know, going into the year, that was your your biggest fear is that they're moving towards, you know, this more sports entertainment form where we're used to more of a pure traditional wrestling company with Ring of Honor. Yep. And it's terrifying. And there was way too much of it on this show. Uh, your first match kicks off. It's Beer, Beer City Bruiser and Brian Malonis versus Coast to Coast. And I was like, meh, don't really care. Can fast forward through this. 
Then it becomes a six-man match with Silas Young and Kenny King. This is basically just your TV title program getting some airtime. I was fine with it. Not a whole, not really invested in the program. I'm just, I'm not a big Kenny King guy. Silas Young, I, that guy works his ass off. I've got mad respect for him. I just don't care. Like, he's never gotten me to emotionally invest in his character. I'm saying, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm a fan of him. I love the old school, you know, style with him. I love the gimmick. I th- I was thinking about this too. And I was I was thinking maybe I just can't get. I'm with you. I'm not really a big Kenny King guy. Never have been. And I was thinking maybe it's just this pairing doesn't seem to be clicking whatsoever. But then I was really thinking back. It's like I don't know if I've ever really overly. Like, I enjoy when. Young's on camera and all that, but I don't, I don't think I've ever really invested in anything. I never care if he wins or loses. He's just kind of there. He's just kind of uh, there. I, I'm trying to think back. He had, he had been working something with Jay Lethal. Well, there was something I, I thought was kind of, was he working a pretty good program with Carino for a little bit? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So I think I enjoyed that. Definitely. Well, Carino's just the man. Right. I think that's – but Carino's just one of those talents that he just elevates, you know, wherever he's working with there. He's going to take you to the next level. Then uh, the Women of Honor tournament kicks off. I was excited to talk to you about this one. Mandy Leon takes on your girl, Madison Rain. Yeah, you know what? I, I Hey, man, I, I, I don't hold any hard feelings, but, I, you know, I always have to smile a little bit. And I feel – all warm inside when someone goes over on Madison. I was going to say, I felt vindicated for you when uh, Mandy went over here. Uh, it, it was a pretty good match, um, but it was, you know, kind of what I expect from indie women's wrestling, you know? Uh, but my only complaint about it is everything felt like it was about a half step slow to where everything felt choreographed, like nothing felt smooth. Because everything just felt about a half step slow. Could have just been, you know, the first time that they had worked together or something. Yeah, I don't recall, you know, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I've fallen, followed these two all over the independent scene. But, you know, nothing really, I don't think they've ever worked in Ring of Honor together or yeah, like on a major, not on a major stage before. No. Um, and I'm sure there were absolutely some butterflies with kicking off this tournament as well. Uh, uh, you know, some great talents in this tournament. Is this thing... Is the big finale, the big payoff for this tournament, does this happen at Supercard? I believe so. Okay. I believe so. And it looks like it's a 16-woman tournament. They showed the brackets very, very briefly uh, on this show. But a lot of the women's talents, number one, I just don't know who they are because they're independent women. Or number two, it was just up there so fast I didn't necessarily catch it. Uh, well, you know, yeah, they've, they're working with a few outside promotions to fill out this bracket here. Uh, I think if you go through it, you're going to see some names uh, that you're going to be looking forward to seeing. But, man, I'm still going to stick with uh, with Kelly Klein. I think she's the right choice to go over in this thing. Uh, the other right choice that was made for this match was Deanna Perrazzo on commentary. Very much enjoyed that. Very much enjoyed that. Adds, adds a sense of uh, legitimacy to the tournament itself as well. Uh, then we get probably the most fascinating part of the show – Cody backstage after the beat down, after getting beat down by the kingdom, they show video of Cody backstage with the young bucks who have obviously 
just arrived to the arena. Shot like right by the doors where they come in. They've got their suitcases, all their gear. And Cody comes in and lets out, where were you? Which is exactly the question I asked you last week on this show. I was going to say, you end up, this was the most intriguing part about last week's program and where the twists and turns of this story continue to take us. You know, where was the support for Cody? And I think this is a, a, a perfect continuation, uh, especially how to set this up, where now, you know, you're fueled with questions. Hey, was this an honest travel mistake or did they know, you know, did they know this was coming or did they purposely say, hey, you know what? Let him fend for himself. Let's take our time getting there. The Bucks proceed to explain to Cody, dude, we, we just walked in the door. What are you talking about? You just walked in the door. I just got beat down by the, all three members of the kingdom. Is this a Kenny thing? Is that what's going on here? We don't need any more Kenny things. Ooh, no more Kenny things, huh? This is, this is, this is getting interesting. Finally, the Bucks calm Cody down, and Cody says, we need better, and I expect better, especially from guys like you, and he turns around and walks away, and Matt Jackson gives you the biggest eye roll that you have ever seen in your life. I don't know what's going on here, but it's getting really interesting, Rick. As the club turns, man. As the club turns very much. And then Marty makes an appearance. He comes in with a sign that was made by all of his beloved fans, and he wants to show it off to the Young Bucks. And the Young Bucks are like, Marty, now is not the time. But it is interesting. Marty was obviously already there. That was the point. Then we get a promo from the Briscoes. I'm not sure that there's a more terrifying man in professional wrestling than Minoru Suzuki. But if there is, his name is Jay Briscoe. That dude terrifies me. He's just got that crazy look to him. And he makes a comment on this show it's nothing personal against you, machine guns. This is personal against everybody. Jay Briscoe turned into the character I want Roman Reigns to be. Fuck everybody. You people want to shit on us? Fuck all y'all. And Mark even makes the comment, referring to the machine guns, we don't care if you live or die in this match. We're just coming for our titles. It, and it's so fitting of them too, man. Like you said, these are like two guys you look at. They're not the biggest motherfuckers. They're not the most built. But just looking at them, you know, they're going, they're going to mess you up. They got that straight House of a Thousand Corpses vibe to them, man. I was, I was going to say, they're, they're going to cut your skin off and wear it to the ring if they have to. Yep. Yep. Jay Briscoe scares the shit out of me. Speaking of guys that scare the shit out of me, Punishment Martinez takes on Dalton Castle on this episode of Ring of Honor for the ROH Championship. This match gets about 20 minutes, Rick. And it's Punishment Martinez beating the ever-loving shit 
out of Dalton Castle for 19 minutes and 57 seconds. And then Dalton Castle rolls him up. One champ two, steals one. Yep. The best part of this entire match for me was Marty Skrull on commentary because we remember Marty Skrull challenged Punishment Martinez for the ROH title, assuming he was just going to beat Dalton Castle. Marty Skrull is the commentator of the week. Hands down, no question, Marty Skrull does some of the best commentary I have ever heard. Because throughout this entire match, he is basically screaming, pin him! He's dead! He is unconscious. Quit doing stupid shit and just pin him! What every pro wrestling fan is always thinking. Just pin him! Why why do you gotta pick him up and throw him into the ropes and do all this crazy shit? Just pin him! Punishment Martinez is doing like springboard corkscrew sentons in this match. While Dalton Castle is just laying there in the middle of the ring. Pin him! What the hell, man? What, what, how is this so hard? And Skrull's just losing his mind. At one point, he even says, Crikey! Pin him! Gosh. I couldn't believe it, man. Castle rolls up Martinez, and then Martinez proceeds to kill everybody. Dalton Castle's getting a powerbomb into the side of the apron. Both of the boys are getting a powerbomb into the side of the apron. One of the boys gets powerbombed into the other one of the boys into the side of the apron. Punishment Martinez is pissed because he knows he should have won the ROH title. Today. He's that class. He's that close. And let's, let's escape him. So now, so going, so we've got pretty much like a big four way cluster uh, around this ring of honor title. Correct. I mean, you got Martinez still has a claim and he just, Took the champ to, you know, out back and, and beat the living life out of him. Uh, just made the mistake of maybe getting over cocky, letting it go too far, had it stolen away from him. You obviously, they got the champ there, who everyone's chasing after. Uh, you've got Jay Lethal, yep. who wants that top spot back. And you got Scroll, who's also involved. You know, he's he's been trying to push the buttons of Lethal. You know, he's he wants Martinez the champ. He's been challenging him. And he obviously wants just the championship itself. I mean, you've got... Four of your talents all tied together here. Marty does some of the best heel commentary work in that match that I have ever heard. Because the whole time, he's just putting over. You know how many world title shots I've had? None. Why did Dalton Castle deserve a title shot? I should have had a title shot over Dalton Castle. Nope, didn't get one. Punishment Martinez gets a title shot? Where's my title shot? I ain't never got a title shot. Oh, it was fantastic, man. The commentary on that match is just freaking great. Then we also get next week on this show, they advertise the main event for next week, which is finally going to be SoCal Uncensored versus the Hung Bucks for the six-man titles. Very, very curious to see if uh, any more Cody developments come out of that and i'm also very curious to see where the hung man himself adam page stands in this entire mess that is bullet club well i think you know we've got we've got so much going on it's it's so interesting that we're invested in with just what's happening with the bullet club and that's you know the first thing i thought of 
is it'll be very interesting, as you said, to see, do we get anything from Cody here? Is he going to, uh, is he even going to be present? Is he going to interject himself into the match somehow? Does Cody cost them the titles? Hey, but hey, going back, just looking at the match itself, uh, a hot program between the Hung Bucks and SoCal Uncensored, uh, all great talents. I think we're going to have a really fun and exciting match just in itself on top of all these other storylines we could see. Uh, I did want to touch I almost on, hope they don't overbook it. I did want to touch on this because of the Young Bucks. Uh, the Bucks responded to somebody's tweet. Somebody asked them if they were going to be at Wrestle Kingdom 13. I saw this. And the Bucks responded by saying, our contract is up by then, so we don't know. I don't know if they mean their New Japan contract, if they mean their Ring of Honor contract, or if they mean their Ring of Honor and New Japan contracts are up, but let that speculation begin. Because it was said when they signed these contracts, if they would have known that Nakamura, Gallows, Anderson, and Styles were all leaving for WWE, they would not have re-signed. So I'm very, very curious to see where this goes. I just, you know, if, if the Bucks, I'm I, I, right when I saw this, my first thought was, you know what? It's the Bucks being the Bucks. They're working people. Of course. Of course. They're always working. And this could also be another way to be working New Japan. Absolutely. You know, they've already come out and said, you know, they're on that Brock Lesnar schedule. The other uh, they thing might just be pushing right now to maximize payment with his little dates that they have to work there so they can have even more control of their schedule. The other thing that becomes very, very interesting is the all in show looming in September. Who's to say that they don't decide that they want to start promoting more shows, do their own thing. Maybe take PWG on a much more national sort of scale. Well, this is going back a few weeks, uh, pretty much when before we even knew it was all in. We know it was just when they came out and said, "You know what? We're going to accept the challenge. We're going to start planning our own show." And it was uh, Mr. BWO, Stevie Richards, over on the Friday edition of the Hacker Hummy Media Group Locker Room Show. He threw out there. He said, "You know, this could really spin off to something for these guys, where you know, Bullet Club could turn into its own promotion." Yeah. Yeah. And I think the Bucks have that kind of knowledge, especially they, when paired with somebody really, like Cody. And, and you know what they have proven? These guys are, are truly the, the poster children for we don't need WWE. We yeah. can be very successful. We can do things our way. And I, when did they make the statement if, that they knew if everyone was leaving, they wouldn't have resigned? Was it like when it originally happened? Uh, it, it was shortly thereafter. Shortly thereafter. I've, I've got a feeling. It's I believe it was great. to Conan. Okay, but I got a feeling, you know, it's always great to go make that WWE money. Uh, but when you're at the level the Bucks are right now and, and have that much control over your own careers, I, I'm sorry. You know, in, even in our fields, you know, you, we can look at certain places like, man, I'd really, it'd be great to go work there. But if you know, what happens to your friends when they go there? You know, maybe you stay the hell away from it. Yeah, I, I feel like the thing with the Bucks 
is very much like the same thing going on kind of with Anderson and Gallows. I understand people feel like Anderson and Gallows have been mistreated. I completely understand that. Anderson and Gallows, on the other hand, seem pretty happy doing what they're doing. They're stateside. They get to see their families a hell of a lot more than they were before. The Bucks got young kids at home. And the schedule that they keep and the tours that they do are insane. They would actually be home more on a WWE schedule. That, I think, is the biggest appeal to the Bucks of if they would ever sign. But I don't think it's going to happen. I think there's too much bad blood there. I don't know if it's the bad blood. And, yeah, the schedule is nicer. I, I, but, but, man, you know, they do so well with their own marketing and merch and like that. You know, all that's going to go away. You're going to lose yep. all those deals, those connections, you know, that you made with the Hot Topics now. that Those go on, they go away or they, you know, go on hiatus because you become part of uh, the WWE machine. Yep. Rick, anything else that you wanted to touch on from the world of professional wrestling this week? Uh, no, sir. I think we had a good go at it. Uh, I think it's time to maybe shut it down and, and get some rest for a couple of days and gear up for, for our big weekend show. So that's going to do it for this week's show. Rick and I will be back in your ear holes this weekend with a very, very special Muse and Notes edition of the show. Uh, then this Monday, we'll be back in the locker room over at hackerhameen.podbean.com. Please visit our friends Michael and Ryan over at thegorillaposition.com for your daily professional wrestling needs as they tell the stories of professional wrestling storytellers. Find our show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. Shoot us an email at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. As always, you can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. Rick, how does Madison Rain track you down? Well, she's already taken me for all I've got for her. Uh, but anyone else out there that's looking to stay in contact or... Just want to chat it up about the world of professional wrestling. You can always get me on Twitter at the real RBV. Uh, also, I've changed my handle over on Facebook. Uh, it's just facebook.com backslash the real RBV. And of course, every day, you know, I am in and out of the Hameen Media Discussion Group. Uh, just real quick search, tickle that join button, and we're going to let you on in. We've, we've got still our best of the best tournament going on. We've we are into our Elite Eight starting tomorrow. We're going to do our Final Four over the weekend, and then uh, we're going to have a big finals match next week, so a lot of fun conversating there. And I've actually uh, got quite a few uh, Be the Booker threads we're going to be running this weekend. Uh, one we actually talked about here on the show, what to do with Seth Rollins. Uh, if, if Jordan cannot go, what direction do you take him in? Uh, so we're going to have all that and much, much more in the Hameen Media Discussion Group. I believe this weekend's show is going to be a Q&A, so if you have a question for Rick and I, shoot us an email, hittingthemarks at gmail.com, or there will be a thread in the Hameen Media Discussion Group. Go ahead, leave us a comment over there, and uh, we'll, we'll try to answer your question, as long as it's not incredibly stupid. So Season 2, Episode 6, that's a wrap. Before we depart today, I wanted to put over this song for our friend Adam Rivera over at the Hameen Media Discussion Group. Uh, this is an artist that he actually represents named Al Colleon with his song, My Eyes Are Red. For now, Rick and I are off like a prom dress. See ya! My eyes are red. I've been burning. I've been burning. The My eyes are red. I've been burning. I've been burning. The My eyes are red. I've been burning. 